everyone, welcome to the show. I'm James, that's Katie, and of course that makes this the 10th episode of Circles and Squares. That's right, we've made double digits, and to celebrate, we told you it was going to be a special episode, but it really is special because we've got a contest going on right now. Uh, yeah, exactly. So we are giving away, I believe it's 15 copies um, for Rocket Arena. It's the Mythic Edition on PS4. Um, so it comes with enough currency to buy yourself the Battle Pass, uh, as well as obviously the game itself. Um, so, I mean, who doesn't love free stuff? So exactly, exactly. If, uh, if you're interested and you want a chance at one of the codes, um, all you have to do, it's super easy, barely an inconvenience. You just have to go onto our Twitter page, uh, which is C and S pod. You'll find the tweet pinned to the top. You can't miss it. Uh, you just have to like the tweet, retweet it, and make sure you've uh, got us followed on Twitter and you'll be entered. Um, it's as, easy as that. Exactly. Uh, as of when this episode comes out, it I think we're pulling later yeah. at the you, end of the day today. That's the thing. You're in a rush right now. Mm-hmm. If you want to win this copy, the contest ends at 9 p.m. on August 10th, which is the day this episode comes out. So we did run the contest a little bit in advance of the show. But if you want to enter, you still have all day to do so. Um, so just head on over, follow those instructions, and best of luck. Yeah, exactly. This is no like brick going out of sale for the next like 10 years. <laughs> get on it, get yourself a copy. Maybe you can even play with us at yeah, some point. Yeah, yeah. We actually, speaking of that, we did play a little bit. So before mm. we get into the show, we'll just give you our little impression on the game in case you're a little bit on the fence if you wanted to get it. Um, yeah, we played together, what, a couple hours, right, the other night. What did yeah. you think? Um, my overall impression was was pretty positive. Um, I think the game, it's fun. Like, I, I don't think there's really much more to it than just simple. It's pretty fun. Um, yeah. I guess, well, well, if you're not familiar with it, it's a 3v3 Think um, Think kind of like an shooter. Overwatch style. Um, kind of looks like an Overwatch meets Fortnite kind of aesthetic yeah, to it. That's fair. Um, it doesn't really play like either of those, really. It's it's kind of got a, a Smash Bros vibe going on as far as like building up damage on. Stick with me. You got to build damage yes. <laughs> on, on other characters. You launch them out of the arena, stuff like that. But but it is pretty. You're right. It's pretty fun. It was yes, yeah, three v three. There's a few different game modes. There's the elimination. There's the capture the flag kind of mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, there's the other that one, coin mode that we really like. The coin liked. mode where you collect the money. Um, and then the, the main gimmick of it is you have a different hero who has different like guns and abilities, and you want to damage the enemies. But instead of having a health bar or something like that, you build up this meter, like a knockback meter, kind of like mm-hmm. smash. Yeah, the more in a hits way. you take, it's like your damage percentage increasing. And then you you hit them enough, and then the meter's full. You hit them, and they exit the arena, and then you score a point so yeah yeah, it's kind of like a weird amalgamation of a bunch of different games but it also feels like it's very much its own unique thing yeah it does i mean like you said it's not it's definitely not if you're you know into overwatch or into one of the other big kind of hero shooters out there you're probably not going to find this game is like blowing your door blowing the doors off like doing you know incredibly different things that are very very unique but if you're really into those type of games and you're looking for a new experience kind of within that genre, mm-hmm. especially if you're looking for something, you know, competitive or like you can team up with some friends and go online and try to go up the ranks of the ladder and whatnot. I think it's a good time, especially if, if you win it for free from us. Yeah, exactly. I, I think for me, it's something that like I'm I would play with friends from time to time as like just a fun, like got a couple hours to kill sort of game um, because it is a good time. And, it, you know, it's funny and social and like there's it, it's, it feels nice to play. But I don't think it's something I would really like sink tons of time into or play on my own. No, no. But I mean, that's the kind of, that's the nature of the game, right? But mm-hmm. um, yeah. Anyway, that's for the contest. So please go over there and enter um, if you want to win a copy. 
Um, or if not, just give us a follow anyway, right? That's, that's what we like. Um, that being said, I actually will say that it would really mean a lot if, if uh, you've stuck with us over the first 10 episodes. If you want to go over, uh, you know, leave us a review wherever you're listening. Give us a rating, especially on iTunes. That would really help. We, we uh, you know, really appreciate everyone listening. And I think just any little thing you can do to show your support, even if you just tell a friend about the show, that would be great. And it really helps us grow and expand and get a new audience and everything else that we want to do for the show. So with that being said, um, we will get into the proceedings for the 10th episode. We are, of course, starting the show, as always, with the games we've been playing recently over the past couple of weeks. Um, Then we're changing it up a bit because it is the 10th episode. We promised something special, so we're actually scrapping the news segment this week. Uh, There wasn't a whole lot of big PlayStation news anyway. There was a couple little things to to do with like uh, controller compatibility and whatnot, but you know what? Get that news somewhere else. Today, (laughs) instead, we are doing our first ever uh, listener mail segment uh, for the second part of the show. Uh, Thank you all for everyone who wrote in with some questions, and we would love it if people continued to write in with anything you wanted to ask us for us to read out on the show. Even if it's not a question, it could be a comment or whatever you want to say to us. exactly. We know that you guys are just as passionate about games as we are, so if you've had a great gaming moment or experience or something you you just think would be fun to read on air, just let us know. Yeah, totally. And then for the final segment, um, a couple weeks ago, actually, we're kind of ripping this off from (laughs) another podcast you guys might know. Uh, very popular, kind of funny, um, kind of funny PlayStation podcast called PS I Love You. They did a bracket a couple of weeks ago to determine what is the best exclusive PlayStation 4 video game. And so we've actually stolen that bracket and we're going to go through it ourselves. But it's not just going to be what's the best PlayStation 4 exclusive. It's also going to be uh, what we think is the most important. So we're going to fuse those two kind of criteria together and hopefully have some good discussions about these exclusives and determine what we think is the number one game on the PlayStation 4. But anyway, let's start off the show, what we've been playing. And I'm going to start today, Kate. Um, Usually I toss Mm -hmm. it over to you first, but I have been playing last night. uh, Just came out Fall Guys, which Mm -hmm. is uh, highly, I think it was, you know, it got a lot of hype built up for it just Mm -hmm. before release there. I was, I think, the number one viewed game on Twitch. And, and, uh, you know, it's just bright and colorful. And I think a lot of games that come out these days are always... Like the gritty ones. I mean, there's Fortnite and all that stuff too, but a yeah. lot of stuff that comes out is like, you know, the hyper-realistic gritty type stuff. So it's really nice to see such a bright, colorful, like fun game become so popular. And thanks to being free on PS Plus, it really has like a huge following right now. And and I had a great time playing last night. Yes, yeah, so you're, you you're even playing later tonight, aren't I, I'm you? Playing, <laughs> I'm playing again tonight. That's so true. Um, yeah, so I got to start. I just want to say... I have not laughed so much playing a video game in a long time, especially since it wasn't like couch co-op. Like a lot of times when you're having a really, you mm-hmm. know, fun time, you're laughing a lot. Right. It's because you're, you're like there with the your room. buddies and yeah. Yeah. So this was online. I, I partied up with a couple friends and we played for about two, three hours, maybe a bit longer than that. And we just had a blast. So for anyone that doesn't know what Fall Guys is, it's basically a collection of, of like mario party style mini games or kind of like the stuff you'd see on like um wipeout that game show where you do the obstacle courses Mm -hmm. and there's the challenges so it's a battle royale there's 60 players that start at the beginning and basically throughout the challenges a certain number of people will get eliminated until you get to the final round and then you can win so all in all i had like I said, a great time. It was the kind of thing where there's there's a lot of variety in the mini games. There's kind of different t- 
types a lot the most common type there's this race so it'll be mm-hmm. just an obstacle course you know there'll be 60 people to start the first 40 to make it to the end will advance right and very then quickly if you don't make it out. uh you're out there's also games where it's kind of like you have eggs in the middle of this soccer arena and there's three teams all different colors and you got to try and grab them and take them back to your side and the other teams can also steal your eggs so you're kind of trying to gather the most by the time the time limit runs out and then there's other other um, modes where it's kind of you're on a platform and obstacles are trying to push you off and you're just trying to be to not get pushed off the, right. the map and, and so yeah, it, it very much sound like Mario Party mini games. It is, and you know, a lot of them are directly inspired by Mario Party. I don't know, I know this PlayStation show, but a lot of people have played Mario Party, and I know you have. Specifically, there's mm-hmm. a game that's just like Hexagon Heat. Oh, Hexagon Heat was one of the best ones. Yeah, <laughs> like for there's a bunch of hexagon shaped spaces, and, and mm-hmm. they you know they fall, and you're just trying to stay on the ones that yeah, are yeah, which show down. you like which color was gonna fall next, and then mm-hmm. you have to make sure not yeah. to be on that color. Something similar to that. There's another one where you're on a giant cylinder, and there's obstacles, and you're running as it's kind of rotating you've got to stay on the top basically just games like that none of them are overly complex or challenging but what makes it so hectic is that you're really stressed you're trying not to get eliminated and it shows a counter in the top of like okay so far you know this this whatever race you're on has 30 people can complete it and everyone else is eliminated and you can Mm -hmm. see the counter kind of tick up like okay 15 have completed oh no so it really puts the pressure on you like there's only two spots left exactly (laughs) and and you're trying to to make it but at the same time you got to be really careful because you can you can bump into the other players you can kind of grab them and toss them out of the way you can get in each other's way or if you fall from a certain height you don't land properly and your character kind of falls down and flails around with some kind of weird physics. Right. So, and of course there's like goofy and silly animations the whole oh, time yeah, and it's yeah. really over the top. And yeah. yeah. The characters kind of are like Baymax kind of from Big Hero 6. That's I, kind of what I they, watched that recently. Baymax, by the way, we'll shout that out. Is one of the best characters ever. He is. That's a good movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I watched that at work one time, actually. Oh, I got paid to watch it. It's a nice Hero thing 6. to get paid to do. Yeah. It wasn't bad. It was a slow day. Um, but yeah, so... It just the the whole presentation of the game just leads for some really silly moments. Like you're, the the challenges are just ridiculous. The characters look hilarious, and it's just so hectic that you can't help but laugh. And especially when you're these, you keep getting trapped at the door, and like you can't get through because there's like this flood of people. And it's it's just like a really funny experience. That's mm-hmm. that's really really fun. Um, that being said, it was the first day of release and I know there was a lot of kind of server issues going on because I think yes. it just got way was, more players than yeah, maybe they Yeah, I think handle. they had a much bigger influx of people playing than they maybe intended. Um, yeah. I did um, see those articles, yeah. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I'm not criticizing the game for that because that happens to a ton of games off the start. Yeah. But it, we did have a couple of issues. Like we, one time, um, actually one of my friends was in the final and before the game loaded, it actually booted him out, so he didn't have a chance to compete. Just stuff like that. It's a little uh, bit irritating. <laughs> a shame. Yeah, but all in all, I mean, it's it's kind of gonna happen. Yeah, exactly. Right? You 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 can kind of give leeway. Expect those first couple of days to be a little rocky, especially if it's totally yeah. You know, and then, and there's some features that are kind of missing too. Like for example, when you're in a party, you the biggest problem I had with the game, and I'm sure they'll fix this again. It's another one of those like early release type of problems. Is that there's you know, if you if you get eliminated in the first round, there's like say 50 players still left. The camera, the spectator camera, doesn't automatically put you to spectate the person who you're partied with. So mm-hmm. it just puts you on like a random player. So you're literally tabbing through like sometimes 40, 50 players to find the person you want to watch. And it, that's like really frustrating, you know, like right. it'd be nice to just instantly be spectating someone in your party. Right, which seems like the obvious thing that, that would happen. I, I, I can't imagine that they won't 
patch mm-hmm. that in quite mm-hmm. quickly. Yeah, stuff like that. And then also you can't um, invert the camera controls. My one friend likes to play with the camera inverted, but he couldn't change that. So mm. he was having to play with basically this like foreign camera configuration that he that was really hindering him on some of the platforming. But again, that's the kind of thing I'm sure we'll get we'll get right. fixed as the game goes forward. Um, I would I would strongly recommend everyone try playing this. It's a blast. It's basically it's so rapid fire too. It's it's like you get knocked out, you can instantly just join another round. You're not having to wait in menus. You're not having to mm-hmm. you know find a game, go into a lobby, wait for people. Like it's at least right now, it's got such a high player base. It's it's just right. so instant, it's so instantaneous. You can easily drop in, get a round done. It's super quick. Like none of the games last for more than maybe two minutes. So you get a lot of variety. My concern with this game is that I feel like there's a potential for it to be like a real flash in the pan moment where for maybe the next month, it's super stupidly popular Mm -hmm. and then it kind of just drops off. Right. You think it could be like a novelty kind of game that that doesn't have a longevity to it? Well, I mean, it just depends how they deal with it, right? Because they're obviously going to come out with new games and, Mm -hmm. you know, probably new modes or or whatever it is. But the, the problem is, I think, that it might run into, and this is maybe just me being a bit cynical, is that the once the silliness and kind of wackiness wears off like the i played for three hours right the first hour Mm -hmm. and a half probably were like i was just laughing like it was just crazy it was just so much fun and then once you played like certain games a few times it becomes like oh you're the the silliness kind of wears off and then you kind of get into like okay i'm really gonna try and do well this time right and the games i don't think when once you get that competitive mindset i don't think they're quite complex enough right to like hold your attention right they don't have the depth to like make you feel like you're going to increase your skills that much and like hold you to like wanting to progress in the game well exactly right and Mm -hmm. and i mean i've seen a lot of people and the sentiment is like well you know the last big free-to-play game that came on ps plus the that was free at launch was rocket league and look at the success of rocket league and this is like the next one of those Mm -hmm. and in some respects that's true but in other respects like rocket league is very deep it is like on the surface level just a driving game with soccer balls but on it's got so much depth in terms of controls and it's like it's like a sport where it's just the game is the game and you can play it just like fifa or like a competitive game online whereas this is like basically playing mario party mini games right so you know what i mean like it it just doesn't seem like it'll have the depth i think so and and i think that's like the thing with rocket league is nobody expected it to be as deep as it is Mm -hmm. that game is hard like i remember trying rocket league for the first time and like you, you hardly touch the ball when in your first like five hours of playing because it is just incredibly <laughs> difficult. Yeah. But then at the same time, maybe you're just a novice at this game. Maybe you don't have the WarioWare skills like some of us do. Yeah, geez, maybe to, not. To go pro in Fall Guys. Well, so. here's the thing. Once you play Fall Guys, then we're all going to find out if you have the chops to win every time. We'll, we'll see. The, the last thing I'll say is this. The, it's really hard to win. I, I, came t- I was in the finals a couple times and... It's really tough to actually get to the end just because of all this, the silly stuff that can happen. And right. there's a trophy that I don't usually, I'm not much of a trophy guy. Like I don't go for the, you know, the, a lot of the completionist type stuff in games. And I was just casually looking through the trophy list. Mm-hmm. And there's one trophy for winning five rounds in a row. Like Ooh. five first place out of the whole set of games. And I'm like, man, oh man. That's going to be impossible just because of the, all the RNG kind of random yeah. stuff that can happen to you. And if the game kicks you out in the final oh. round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, let's hope it holds up because I really had a blast. I think it's a great party game. I think if they ever include um, split screen, which I think they've said is coming down the pipeline in the future, that would be like the number one game I would put in if I had a group of people 
Uh, right. You know, coming over just it, it's good for a lot of skill sets. You know, like the games are complex, but the controls are simple. Anyone can play, even if mm-hmm. you're not being super competitive. Like it's just great. And if it gets that kind of mode, especially, I think that's where this game will thrive is like a couch co-op type thing. Um, but yeah, check it out for sure. Uh, I hope you play it soon. I know you're planning on it, so yes. I'd love to hear what you think. Yes, um, absolutely. We'll we'll kind of we'll let we'll simmer on that mystery for a little bit, <laughs> yes. but uh, it might be yes. in the cards for me. <laughs> yes, yes. So anyway, that's my impression of Fall Guys. I'm playing more tonight. Can't wait. Uh, at least for right now, I'm not tired of it yet. But uh, what have you been playing? Okay, well, I've kind of got it. It's kind of an interesting show because normally we're both very like single player game story focused sort of players um but the game i've prepared for today is also an online multiplayer game Uh, i've been playing a lot of heroes of the storm lately uh, which is blizzard's moba so if you guys remember i think i've maybe brought it up a few times definitely on the first show when we were doing that uh get to know us quiz but um i played a lot of league of legends back in the day and even I don't play anymore, but I still follow it. I watch the European League. I actually yeah. watched some earlier today when I was working out. So Yeah, you like the genre, um, right? You like yeah. the, the competitive nature. I like the genre, and League was always kind of my frame of reference for MOBAs. And I, I, um, but I got into Heroes of the Storm, and I, I'm really enjoying it. I think um, the, the main reason I fell off of League of Legends was because I found it was a difficult game to play casually. And I felt like either I had to dedicate a lot of time to playing it or nothing and there was I couldn't find that sweet spot in between where it felt good just mm-hmm. hop on for mm-hmm. a game every now and again um, but here's the storm I, I think is much better for that but it doesn't lose its like competitive nature as well um, so how, do, how does it balance like the competitive with the casual um, so what I find the, the main difference is um, the matches are a lot shorter so in Heroes of the Storm, I think like the matches typically tend to be about like 20 minutes long. Sometimes they're a little bit quicker if, you know, one team is, is really dominating and sometimes they're a little bit longer if it's really back and forth. But with League, you, you had to commit to like an hour per game. But a lot of the time, like it would be kind of decided which team was going to win in the first 20 minutes or so and then it would just be like a slow death like you're delaying your inevitable yeah exactly and obviously like you know the the comebacks would happen every now and again and it would be really exciting but it it would oftentimes like you know like the first 10 minutes of the game would be great and then the rest would just be like maybe we'll surrender or lose and it was sort of problematic in that way but in this game it's like okay 20 minutes and if we lose it's not a big deal we can hop right into another match so it's really fun I think another thing I really like about the game is it's very like map objective based so every time you get into a match unlike other MOBAs it's a different map yeah so normally you play on the same map it's the same rules every time and you know it's it's different because of which characters you've chosen and like you know who's in the game but in this game there's like there's tons of different maps like we'll play for a few hours one night and maybe we won't even see all the maps there's a Mm -hmm. lot of different things and they're themed off of the different blizzard games too right yeah i think so now this is my this is my one lacking spot when it comes to heroes of the storm is the only blizzard game i've really put a lot of time into is overwatch so obviously they've got a lot of stuff pulled from world of warcraft and diablo and they're like really big and like older ips yeah, yeah. um so I've, I've kind of got a bit of a blind spot there where i'm not too familiar with a lot of those worlds and characters but at least a lot of the stuff is pulled i think there is some unique stuff made specifically for heroes but yeah. most of it is pulled and like there's a few overwatch maps that are really cool for me specifically that even have like a payload that you have to move on the map right um so it's really neat like that's always fun and i like it because it gives a lot of variation 
to the game. I think it, I think what it, the best thing about that would it would change up like the aesthetic of the way the maps look, right? Yes. Whereas whereas with League of Legends, like you were saying, you're always on the same map, and it's just you're looking at the same thing for hours. Whereas this yeah. is more variation. Yeah, exactly. And then I think too, like it, it just becomes like you know, it's sort of it's sort of fun in that other way. Other than just like, I'm getting good and taking it very seriously. Like, it's like, oh, it's this map. This is kind of goofy and silly. We do this or we have something else to focus on. So it sort of like keeps it fresh every game. Um, The downside is that obviously some maps are better than other maps. And there's a few that, you know, come up and you're like, ah, we got to play the stupid pirate map again. And we're not overly keen on it. But again, it's 20 minutes and then you're on to the next match. So Mm -hmm. there's not as much of an investment of your time. It's also, it's really cool. The other thing I really like about the game is, um, and obviously I'm comparing it to League as I go, but in League of Legends, they had items. So like you, you got gold as, as you played and you'd have to buy different items and there would be like, you'd have a page up so that you could look at like what items were best for each character and like it made Really optimizing, right? Really optimizing. And it was just sort of like, they give you like stat boost. They didn't really change anything about how your character played. It's just like, this is the best item for this character. So you have to buy it. And then yeah, and if you, you don't, you that, suck and you're going to get in trouble with the other players. Yeah, exactly. And then your teammates are calling you out like, why didn't you buy this item? You suck. And um, it, it would just devolve. But in this game, they have a different system, which I much prefer. And it's called a, the talent system. So every time you level up, there's no currency in the game. But when you level up, you pick one of three talents and it's like just a little like buff that your character gets. So normally it'll be based off of your skills. So like, oh, your your one skill that you can fire the skill shot now has extra range on it or something. Or now it heals you or like your basic attacks, they, they attack quicker or something. But you get to choose with everyone and like going down different paths really feels like it kind of changes how the character plays a lot more. Almost like skill tree branches, right? Yeah, it's kind of like skill tree branches. So it's really interesting. And then you also get to choose your ultimate ability. So each character has their set of skills like a regular MOBA, your three skills and the passive. And then you always have an ultimate ability, which is like a big, you know, important thing to use that really swings the a fight in your favor. Um, but you have two and you get to choose which one you want. So that's really nice and it feels like a lot of characters can kind of fulfill slightly different roles depending on how you, you spec into them. Right, and and potentially too, I would guess, like depending how the match is going you or who what opponents you're playing against, you could you could like choose different skills in order yeah. to make your character be able to combat that differently. Yeah, exactly. So you, you get your, your ultimate in the middle of the match typically or maybe slightly before the middle, but it's your 10th skill out of 20 skills. So you've had that first like nine levels to see like how you're doing and like okay you can be you can realize like we're really actually short on um, crowd control ability so I'm going to take this one instead of the one that's more damage focused or something so it's really neat and like I mean it it falls on the same kind of thing that league's items do where you kind of know ahead of time what build you've picked out and like how you like to play each character but just having those options feels like a lot more interesting versus like oh, I bought this item and it gives me these stats. Great. Right, just numbers at the end of the day. Yeah, it's just numbers. So I'm enjoying it. I think, again, it's kind of similar to to what we said about Rocket League where I'm playing with friends every single time. I've never hopped in on my own for a match and I don't know if I necessarily would. Yeah, well, especially if you're not the kind of person that likes to go on mics with random people and, and, and whatever, right? I don't know yeah. if you would do that really, but... Yeah, I don't know, maybe not so much. Maybe if I... I don't know, maybe when I'm on vacation, I might hop in, but we're having a great time anyway. We're all laughing and, you know, we're like 
shot calling it out and like kind of trying to get better each game as well, but still taking it sort of lighthearted and fun. So yeah, it's really good. We'll probably maybe even play some more tonight. But I have one funny story that I, I would love to share from the game. So there's this character and it's really interesting and unique. And his name is Chogal. And he's this big ogre with two heads. But the weird mechanic about that character is you actually play him as two different people. So one person's Cho and one person's Gaul. And like one person moves the character and has some really basic abilities. And then the other person can't move, but they have more like complicated abilities that they have to throw a name. Wow. So like it's really interesting and really funny. And they call him like the girlfriend character because you make your girlfriend play like the guy that doesn't have to move. <laughs> so you have to have two people in the same room. They don't have to be in the same room. They're just like you just queue up and you have your different screens. Oh, so like I one see, person plays on their, uh, their account and the other person plays on a different account. But you couldn't so pick just one of them. You can't pick just one of them. You have to queue up one person is Cho, one person is as Gaul. Um, you couldn't, yeah, you couldn't have half of the gotcha. character on your team. You have to have the duo. But what's really interesting is um, the game displays your your name, your ID um, as you play on top of your character. But because Cho and Gaul are two different people, it puts their names together and makes an amalgamation of them. <laughs> so we we played uh, my group. We played maybe like three nights in a row at the same time in the evening. And we can't, I don't know, maybe just there weren't tons of people playing at that time or, if, you know, because of our, the way that the level of our accounts is kind of strange. So we had a smaller section of people to play with or whatever, but we kept coming up against the same Two, same people two people playing Chogal, but they'd obviously like they had new accounts and they'd obviously made them specifically just to play this character. So one of their names were Grape and Assault were the two characters. But what it does is it takes the first three letters of the of one of their names. I don't I can't remember which is which, but it takes the first three letters of Assault and then the last four letters of Grape. <laughs> And it puts them together. <laughs> oh my and, uh, God. Give me a second at home to figure out how that works. Um, but like we kept wow. coming up against this guy and it was so funny. We were like, oh my God, there's Grape Aww. Assault again. And it like <laughs> became this thing like, are we going to run into him tonight? And uh, it was it's funny because we have out of our group, there's sometimes we have a full five, sometimes we have a full four, or sometimes we have three. So every time it was just the three of us, we're like, oh my God, what if he's on our team? Like, what if we get Grape Assault to be our like fourth and fifth <laughs> members? But we never did, but we fought him at least like once or twice through every night for three nights in a row. And wow. it's now it's now become this like weird game of like, will Grape Assault ever play with that us? That phantom person you're going to run <laughs> into one right. day that's going to crush a dream. He's our like weird mystery celebrity on the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Well, um, maybe we'll give you a few minutes to figure out exactly what that person's name fuses mm -hmm. into if you weren't able to figure it out while listening. We'll take a quick break, though, and we'll be right back afterwards with our first ever listener mail segment. All right, everyone, we are back for the second segment of the show. Um, and just before we get into the reader mail segment, because this is usually where the news goes, we have to discuss quickly the PS Plus games of the month for August because we have to select what games we're playing for the month. So um, this week for August 2020, I say week, I mean month, uh, <laughs> we have Fall Guys and Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 uh, 
campaign remastered. So yeah, that's um, a mouthful. That is a mouthful, and I'm glad I said that correctly. I think um, it's too late now. <laughs> it's too late. It's, this has been recorded. You know, we can't possibly change it. Nope. I never edit anything, obviously. Um, <laughs> Kate, what are you feeling? I have a very clear pick. And I think it's fair because you already cheat loopholed this game uh, by playing it prematurely. So I would like Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout. You know, I was I was really thinking about putting up a fight on this because I don't really want to play another Call of Duty game after I took mm-hmm. that last one. But I was thinking about it and I thought, well, you know, if you play Fall Guys also, we'll have, we can maybe talk about it a bit more. Um, and also because I did play that last Call of Duty game. Maybe I could do a bit of a comparison if I play this one also. So right. I'll be good. I'll uh, take the Call of Duty campaign remaster okay. uh, for next time. So Well, we're at, we're another month in the clear for, for not having to scrap over it. So. Yeah, well, one day it'll happen. One day we'll it'll see. happen. Um, but Katie, I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I feel like if you hadn't already played Fall Guys, this would have been the one. It w- this would have been the one for sure. Yeah. I just I just had plans to play with some friends. I wasn't going to say no because of the podcast. You know, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So are you ready to get into the reader mail? Absolutely. Yeah, I've been uh, really looking forward to this. I had an, um, I would like to preface this by saying I had an absolutely fantastic time reading uh, everything that was sent in and, and would be really excited to get more in the future. But yeah, let's jump yeah, into it. Let's do it. So just before we get into it, like I said, if you want to send in mail for next time we do it, the email address is uh, circlesandsquarespod at gmail.com. All just spelt out exactly how it sounds. Uh, send us your questions. We'll answer them just like these. And our first question for today is from Jazz. And he writes in, he's got a bit of a long email here, so I did edit it down a little bit to get the message across. But he says, um, I'm a firm believer that the future of gaming is going digital. I'm really torn between getting the PS5 digital version or the physical one. But here are my thoughts. Either the games are going to have to get smaller or the consoles are going to have to come with a bajillion gigs of data. I have a one terabyte PS4 Pro and bigger games like Call of Duty Warzone take up way too much space. The reason I have so many digital games is because they go on sale so frequently, which is great, but he also likes to collect the physical discs for the collection. Mm -hmm. So his question basically boils down to is, how do you accommodate the digital versions of games on consoles? Should the games be smaller? Do the consoles need to have more memory? A way he thought of it was to be able to download games in parts instead of just like the full game. If you only want the multiplayer suite, for example, you could maybe not download the campaign for certain games. But basically, he wants to know what are our thoughts and ideas of how game companies can mitigate this going forward. Okay, I I think it is an extremely elegant idea to be able to have partial downloads of each game. I think that would be a really clever thing to do. Um, I don't know how well it would work with most games. Well, um, I think I think it just depends. That would be a game to game situation. Yeah, you know? exactly. But I, I think for games like like even Call of Duty that um, just came up recently, like if you could just have the multiplayer and not have the single player campaign. So if you weren't interested in it or if you finished the single player, you could uninstall that but keep mm-hmm. your multiplayer. I think that is an incredibly cool yeah. Like, would it be a really neat feature to have? But I mean, that's specific, right? That's only for different modes. Like, what about just giant games in general? Like, yeah. what if there's a big, you know, 100 gig download game that's coming out that, that yeah. I mean, game sizes are only getting bigger, just like he says in the email. Yeah, like, especially exactly. Especially with the like, better textures and the ray tracing that's coming in next gen. Like, they're going to be even bigger files. Yeah, exactly. Like, the idea of, of making them smaller is like, it, it's romantic and would be a lovely thing to do, but it's just not possible, right? Like, game devs are already. It's it's all a priority of theirs to make them compact and Mm -hmm. and optimize as Mm -hmm. much as possible already. And I don't see them getting smaller. Um, The only real thing to do is, yeah, just to have storage space, whether that's on the console itself and then also just convenient, easy ways to have external and like additional storage, Mm -hmm. Um, which 
I know is one of the main complaints that people have against um, the new Xbox coming out is because it doesn't allow for third party. Right, you have to buy their storage? proprietary storage. Yeah, yeah. I think the PS5 is confirmed to use any, to use well, any... most storage, external storage devices, right? Yeah. Which is, that is a way to mitigate it for sure. So, I mean, that's a way, it's not necessarily the, the best feeling way, especially as a consumer. Like, I mean, like, realistically, I don't think it costs that much to get an extra storage thing. And, like, a lot of people just kind of have them kicking around yeah. anyway. But, like, yeah. it still doesn't feel good as as a solution to, like, oh, I'd like to play this game, but I don't have space, so I have to go to, like, anytime you are kind of feel like you're forced to buy an additional, well, it, you yeah, know, peripheral, exactly. doesn't feel exactly. good. I think I think this problem really runs in for people who are like gamers like us that that play a lot of different games and buy a lot of different stuff and have different install different games installed all the time. Like a lot of consumers will only buy a PlayStation because they want to play this Madden and they want to play maybe Assassin's Creed or Call of Duty. Like they have such few games to play on it and they just use mm-hmm. it as a Netflix machine. So for them, they never need to worry about like the the hard drive constraints, right? Whereas here I am over here like, okay, I'm going to archive this game and re-download it later, upload my save file to PS Plus so I can delete the game itself to make room for something else. Like it's yeah. a bit of a juggling act you go through. Yeah, exactly. What what I would like to see, and again, I, I think this is maybe kind of a sort of a blind spot for both of us is I don't think either of us have like an extreme like technical background when it comes to like, how these things could actually like physically be implemented with hardware side and whatnot. So, um, you know, I'll, maybe there's something we're overlooking, but I think what will be nice for me that I've noticed recently too, is it takes forever to download a game. Like I don't like having to uninstall a game because I know if I want to reinstall it to play it later, it's like three hours sitting and waiting for it to, to download. So I don't know if that's something that they could address to yeah maybe make that i mean a lot of it feels so punishing a lot of it's but... your internet speed too though you know like like my, yeah. my main answer to this was actually you know what's behind door number c and i and i think that's going to be streaming like you know you're right. moving, like microsoft like x cloud like i know stadia has been a huge disappointment so far but like ps now is a service like you can stream games mm-hmm. x cloud for microsoft apparently by all accounts is like the next the next best thing that's going to be starting up coming soon in september and and i think like as we move into a world where there's better internet you know better access to like for internet across like everyone who instead of just the people who live in like those main hubs Mm -hmm. i think like maybe probably not this generation obviously but i think in the future i think a lot of the streaming will mitigate having to actually install a lot of files so hopefully like that would be a way to get work around it but yeah but for the short term i don't i don't mean games are only getting bigger like we said and and uh I'm sorry, Jazz. I think you're just going to have to put up with uh, yeah. balancing your hard drive a little bit. I think, yeah, I think that's just our, our future for the next little bit. All right. Well, let's move on to our second question, Kate. And I got to tell you, Jazz has some really good questions he wrote in with. He did. Because the second question is also from Jazz. And he wants to know how companies should uh, react in terms of like customer satisfaction. He cites an example of Nintendo just having a mini direct and showing off some games in there, but they had like a really bad backlash online because people were expecting a Smash Bros. character announcement, which they didn't get. And of course, the internet turns into a garbage fire and and has all these Mm -hmm. complaints and, you know, review bomb things, goes on forums, Smash Talks, everything. And he wants to know, what do we think companies should do to not get this sort of reaction? Or does it even hurt the company at all? For a PlayStation-specific example... Uh, would be the the a few months ago, if you remember, there was the PS Plus games that were announced that people really complained. I forget, was it Farming Simulator? It was or, um, City City, City Skylines, Skylines and Farming, and farming. Simulator. Yeah. And people put up a big stink online, made a big deal of it, and there was petitions and whatnot to change the PS Plus games. And 
Uh, he wants to know, should PlayStation listen to their fans and add more games, or was that is this just the nature of the beast? Like, sometimes people are just going to be disappointed. And should companies take more strides to ensure customer satisfaction if a fan base shows its unhappiness, or should the company just stick to their strategy and, and the fans just have to, you know, not go along with it, but they're not always going to be able to, like, moan about things until they get what they want? Right. Um. I mean, like, like the other one, this is a very... It's a very interesting topic and it's obviously very situational in, in case by case as well. I think there's kind of like problems on either side. Um, I think a lot of the time fans can be very entitled, especially with his example for Smash Bros that he mentioned. Like mm-hmm. okay, there was nothing ahead of time that said that there was going to be a Smash character right. there. I- so like having that expectation and then being upset about it is is sort of like maybe not a fair response yeah i'm so glad you said the word expectation because that's what Mm -hmm. i've written down here like i think sometimes people build the expectations for these type of announcements up in their head so much that they almost convince themselves like this is going to happen and then when it doesn't they're disappointed for something that was never actually promised yeah i think so and I, i think it's also um hard or something to keep in mind too that like gamers and everyone but gamers specifically can be a little bit like self-focused a lot of the time so like okay there wasn't the smash news or the news that you specifically were hoping to hear but that doesn't mean that like the news that was presented was not exciting for a lot of other people as well Mm -hmm. so it's important for companies to you know to be giving out all this information and sometimes it'll be what you're looking for and sometimes it won't be um so I, i think people need to maybe you know it's so easy to go on the internet and complain about things and i think that it's important that players and consumers give their feedback but to do it in a constructive way and not just blasphemizing online Mm -hmm. after you didn't get what you wanted yeah i think there's another side to the coin though which is like i think sometimes when if a game comes out like really broken and buggy and not good that it can actually be somewhat beneficial in a way like i remember fallout 76 came out last year and it was just a complete mess and and i think like to some extent the people complaining about that were actually entitled to have that opinion because the game wasn't really what to the standard of what they'd paid their money for, you know? So in some ways, like when it's not just nitpicking stuff, when it's actually like, Hey, we want these glitches to be fixed. Like we paid 80 bucks for this game, like fix the glitches, make it work, you know, add these accessibility colorblind mode, for example, like add, add things to make the game just function. Like what it's, what you'd advertised previously. Like, I think there's some merit to those kind of, yeah, exactly. And I, I think it is like an important thing to stick up for, for how you feel about a game. And especially if it's something you've bought and were given the correct expectation of what it should be. And it doesn't deliver in that way. It's, it's kind of like when, um, like no man's sky first came out too. And it was this like hyped up Mm -hmm. so much. It was supposed to be this massive game and it came like a shell of what it was promised to be. And people were rightly upset about it. And, you know, that game is now in a, in a very good space yeah. because the, the developers have been working alongside with the fans to, to add new features and kind of refine what the gameplay experience should have been from the start. Mm-hmm. So I think there's that harmony that they can work together. And I think as well, too, not just on the players, but there's an onus on the companies and the developers and something I'd really like to see going forward in not just in games, but in any kind of like, like with authors and um, artists and movies and just having a transparency that tells the fans what's actually going on and being honest about what their expectations yeah. should be. Right. Because sometimes, I mean, No Man's Sky, maybe they overpromised, you know, or, mm-hmm. or maybe they, they, at a certain point, they must have realized like, Hey, we don't have enough development time to actually deliver all this. So we, 
you know, you got to communicate that kind of thing. I don't remember. Maybe they did communicate it. Like I wasn't really keeping up with that, mm-hmm. the specific game at that time. But I think definitely the openness. Like another one I remember too, Mass Effect 3, people had like horrible things to say about how the trilogy ended. Yes. And I, and I think they actually did. I know they did. They patched in a separate ending as DLC later on because there had just been so many people complaining. And on one hand, it's like, well... Maybe they ran out of development time too. They were like told to get this out. They maybe they mm-hmm. wanted to tell a more expansive story. But at the end of the day, I think that what it comes down to is like whatever the creative vision for the story of something is, or like what the game is supposed to be. I think that the developers should deliver on their vision, not the vision the fans complain and want. A very story-heavy game like The Last of Us Part Two, for example. Like there's some very controversial story moments in that, and a lot of people have complained online. But I think it would be horrible for Naughty Dog to go and patch in like a completely different way the game plays out just because people didn't like it like that's the story that they want to tell and and like if you don't like it then like play something else yeah exactly and I I, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's the last note I had on the on the subject and I I think especially for story driven like experience that that a developer has crafted it's like those games that come out that are clearly made with a passion and a vision in mind are always going to be the games that are groundbreaking and exciting and interesting because they're not made just to, you know, fill a paycheck or something. They're made because someone had an artistic vision and they delivered on it. And those things, I don't think you'd want to compromise that just to please everybody. Well, I think the the games that try and please everybody are the ones that end up being bland a lot of the time too. They don't take chances. They don't do something exciting. Exactly. So I don't think you just want to sit around and, and wait to hear what fans think they want you to make because maybe they don't even know exactly what they want in general as well but I think at the same time they need to make sure to listen to the criticism that's coming in and either if they can use that to make their current game better or they can take that and internalize it and use it to create a a better game whatever they're going to make next time is important that's a good point but at the same time like as a consumer you don't want to abuse that sort of power and like you can't, you kind of lose a little bit of your merit when you complain so much about a game, but then you bought it and you, right, you know, right. you and gave you still, that money. And yeah. so you kind of vote with your wallet, but at the same time, like that open discussion between player and developer, I think is important, especially for games like, like ongoing like, games. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Destiny. Ongoing games that are constantly going to be updating and evolving as, as you play. I think it's important to have that dialogue, but I think there's a responsibility on both sides to treat Mm -hmm, that well mm -hmm. yeah exactly um let's move on to our last Mm -hmm. question uh this one comes from ashley and she wants to know what is our favorite animal companion in a video game this was a hard one this it's funny because the other two were like like you know yeah really complicated questions and it's like for me i had like some good opinions on that this one i was like thinking thinking this was the hardest one and it, it I love the question so much, but it's bothering me because I know that there's there's something in the recesses of my mind that I can't think of, but is the perfect answer for this. And I've, I've answered it, but I know I'm missing something. There's a game somewhere that had right. like the after we ultimate shut the mics companion. Off, after we shut the mics off, you're going to think of it and it's going to be that. Yep. Let me throw a couple out because I wrote a few down. I don't actually know like what my number one answer is. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got to shout out the Chocobos. In Final oh, okay. Fantasy, I, I don't know if they're really companions because they're kind of just like animals in the world, but you do ride okay. them. Like, I like them. I think loosely I'll, I'll count it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah sure. I also had, um, I mean, Pokemon is so obvious, right? Like, yes. But are those animals, like, they're Pokemon. They're not animals. So does that count? Like, I, I thought about that too, and I thought specifically... Um, for the Gen 2 remakes because they follow you around and I think like you yeah, get an yeah. extra little attachment just having them like out in the world with you as well. That's true, that's true. 
Um, so I got two serious answers here okay. for you, and then I'll let you say sure. yours. Um, my first answer, which is my number one answer, but okay. I'm not actually going to count it because it's not real, is the companion cube from Portal. Oh, that is, uh, that is, that it's is a companion. so cheating. It's not an animal, so I just wanted to get that out there. I think my real <laughs> answer actually is the Palicos from Monster Hunter World because mm. you can kind of customize them. You can yep. name them, make them what you want. They hang out with you. They, they're they actually really helpful in the battles as well. They're, they're like attacking. Right. And, and they carry your items and stuff yeah, too Yeah, they can you do and that. And they can also like throw out healing orbs for you and whatnot. So they're actually really functional as well as like just a cool creature that's been created that you can customize and create armor for just like your main character, right? And they're always with mm-hmm. you. So I think I'm going to say barring remembering something that's probably my number one answer that I can't think of right now, I would say the Palicos in Monster Hunter World. I think that's fantastic. I thought about that one, but it felt disingenuous because I haven't played it yet. Um, But I like that. I like the companion cube as well. It was interesting thinking about this question, how many, like, companions are like didn't count specifically because the word animal was used. There were so many I thought of. I was like, yeah, like... Well, the first thing that came to my mind was Clank. From Ratchet and Clank, yes. but it's like he, he's, he's obviously like a robot. Yeah, the first thing that came to my mind was um, Drippy from Nino Kuni. Oh, I've not played um, that. It's a really a sweet um, anim- animated game, and you get this he's like a fairy, and he, like, he goes around with you, and he's sort of like your guide to the fantasy world you've been dropped in with. But uh, like, he's not really an He's a fairy, that doesn't count. So, Animal made it hard because there's so many like creatures that get mm-hmm. dealt with in the same kind of way as an animal, but they're yeah. not. Um, so what I went with, um, and I picked two answers because my first answer I can't really give properly because it's a spoiler, but I will just <laughs> shout, but I will shout out, um, that Divinity Original Sin 2 has amazing, um, playability for like being a summoner. Okay. So there's tons of different, um, skills you can get to summon different types of like creatures and monsters and animals and things uh as as you play and they actually like show up on the battlefield and they get their own turn and they have their own skills and you can like buff them and it just is an amazing integration to the game um so we we played with that we had a summoner and you know we kind of like named them all things and like kind of gave them like little personalities and like really like made them a little bit bigger than they actually were. Mm-hmm. But there's one that you can get later in the game that I feel like I worked all game towards getting. And it is part of one of the character's main story quests, so I don't want to spoil it. But if you played the Red Prince, you never know. If you played Divinity 2, you'll know who it is and it was like that moment broke my mind and I was so excited and happy and like I changed the character to be a summoner for, for that. that. <laughs> he, they were not originally but they were at the end of the game. So I love to say that one but it's a spoily so instead what I've picked was um, Valiant Hearts. I don't know if oh, you played I have that played game. That. That's the Ubi Arts game, right? Yeah. So it's um it's actually a really kind of like serious. I like that game a lot. I love this game. Uh, it's kind of like a serious World War One game where um you play as a few different characters. It's, it's kind of mostly a puzzle game with like some yeah. light action like mini game sort of stuff yeah, thrown it's in. Like, it's like a puzzle platformer basically. Yeah, it's basically yeah two D puzzle platformer. It's gorgeous art style. Uh, and the music's amazing, but it, it's supposed to be around these a couple different characters living through the war and kind of how it affects them personally on a, a really like yeah. intimate level. It tells, it tells a really like emotional story without actually really saying much to you like explicitly, yeah. right? It's very, very good at doing the whole like show don't tell sort of thing and it really like impacted me very emotionally and it, I, I would highly recommend it. It's It's fun as a game, but it also 
you know, it's got a lot of depth to it as well in terms of how it does storytelling. Um, but one of the characters, you get a dog that you play with uh, and he's very, very sweet. His name is Walt. Um, and he kind of gives a little bit of like levity to the game because um, it deals with some darker tones, but he's also really useful. Like you can send him to go like, you know, like crawl under a fence and grab an mm-hmm. item for you. So he has some actual gameplay considerations as well as just sort of it's nice to get a dog so absolutely in a game like that for sure yeah exactly so i love it i'm i'm a huge sucker for any kind of like animal companion or like animal summon in a game so well there you go ashley that's our favorite animal companions in a game and for anyone else that would like our questions answered remember send us an email the links are everywhere circles and squares pod at gmail.com we would love to hear from you answer your questions read your comments everything like that thank you very much and we look forward to hearing from you But for that, uh, we'll be done for the second segment. We'll be right back to work on the bracket for best PlayStation 4 exclusive. Okay, everybody, welcome back. We are here for the last segment of the show, and if that means it is time to go through the kind of funny bracket for best PlayStation 4 game. Of course, like I said at the start of the show, um, we're changing it up just a little bit um, from what they did. We're going to make it not only the best game, but also the game that's most important. So we're going to kind of, you know, balance those two criteria against each other for, um, you know, a different perspective on which of these games. Like maybe this, for example, could be a really good game, but maybe it's not as important to Sony or like PlayStation as a whole. So just to kind of balance those out. Mm. Um, so the way this is laid out is there's four different um, sections of the bracket, each named triangle, square, um, cross, even though everyone says X, and circle. And they're, you know, it's just like a standard bracket, 1 to 16, and eventually you get down to the final four, then the winner. So um, there's a couple play-in rounds to start, which is like, I guess the 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 bottom two games in each bracket are, you know, like a play-in for like honorable mentions. So mm-hmm. maybe we'll just get those out of the way first. Sure, yeah. So first up, we have Erica versus Octodad. And just before we get into it, I will say as well, I'll post a link to what this bracket looks like in the description of the show notes. So if you want to take a, like a visual look at it to follow along, maybe that would be easier. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll post that for you as well. But anyway... The first matchup we have is Erica versus Octodad, Deadliest Catch. Uh, for the play-in for number one, um, you recently played Erica. So did I, I did, actually. Yeah. I didn't talk about it on the show, but um, I don't know how you feel about it. I was kind of leaning Octodad on this one. See, I think this is one of the best examples of like the difficulty of doing this. this these brackets. So some of them are so hard to compare. Like Erica's like a choose-your-own-adventure like with like yeah. real people acting. And then Octodad's like... A silly you're an octopus pretending to be human and your wife doesn't know you're an octopus yeah and like, things are I mean, weird there let's be honest the, the winner of this play-in match has to play god of war yeah, in the number it's, one spot it's rough so it's rough like the only reason i was going to go with octodad was because i feel like there's actually a lot of the kind of narrative choose your own adventure stuff that's on playstation available like until dawn there's uh you know yeah. a, going through the bracket there's been a few of these so i feel like for that reason octodad maybe is a bit more unique to the yeah, playstation brand i think octodad it's fun it's silly it had a unique control scheme it was kind of one of the first games and then the like those like silly games yeah that the physics came stuff. out like the physics silly games like you know we're all the way into like 2020 with like goat simulator and all that cool stuff but i feel like octodad was one of the first kind of like yeah. games that got popular like that so i i agree i'll give okay, it to we'll give octodad well he so. he is the dadliest cat after <laughs> he is, them all he is 
Um, let's move on. Then the second plan for the triangle round is Days Gone versus Knack. This one was surprising because Days Gone was like it's it's a, re- relatively it's a big game. Big like, game. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the most compared to the other first party studios, maybe yeah. the best critical reception, but it's still like it's not on the same level as like Erica and Octodad. I think this has to be Days Gone, right? Yeah, I, I gave it to Days Gone as well and, and said, sorry, Knack, you kind of got a bad matchup. <laughs> Fair. Okay. So the next play-in round, uh, this is moving on to the square bracket now, just to kind of fill these mm-hmm. in first. Uh, we have Drive Club versus Fat Princess Adventures. I've not played either of these. I'm not a big driving sim player. I know Drive Club actually got shut down um, a few just years ago. The servers yeah. got shut down. So because of, I mean, that, that IP is basically dead now, I would imagine, after the game getting stopped. So... As much as Fat Princess isn't really a big series, I think it has to win, right? Interesting. I did the opposite because I, I think, well, Fat Princess, you know, seems like a fun, like, couch co-op kind of game. Like, it didn't really do anything unique. Drive Club, like, had, you know, that, like, big online, like, have your racing crews and stuff. And, like, it, it attempted something kind of different to stand out, so... Yeah, I guess I could see that. I mean, yeah. it's it's really apples and oranges. The winner of this play-in gets to play Uncharted 4. Right. So, well, I mean, I'm happy to give you Drive Club in the sense that let's move these couple rounds along sure. first, and we'll get into the bigger arguments Deal. later. Deal. We'll, we'll handshake on Drive Club. Right. Okay. Uh, play-in number eight, or sorry, the next play-in for the square round, mm-hmm. uh, we got Bound versus The Order 1886. And I will say that Bound is one of the games on this list I actually didn't know anything about. And doing my research to prepare for this, I'm actually really looking forward to to playing that now. Whereas um, the Order 1886, I think it it had when the PlayStation 4 was announced, that game looked so cool, yes. and I couldn't wait to play it. But but I just think like the reception was not good. That game did not turn out well. Like I don't see that franchise really having a future with the PlayStation. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll put it this way: like out of these two games, I'd heard of the Order 1886, and I hadn't heard of Bound. But that did more favors for Bound than it did for the right, Order. Exactly. I think <laughs> so we're in agreement there. We're in Bound. agreement there. Uh, so the next plan round we got for that we're moving to the cross section now of the bracket. We have That's You versus Drive Club VR. Another Drive Club title. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so That's You is like the phone game you play, which is like a quiz game to play. Um, it's kind of like Jackbox, where you yeah, play with your phone. Yeah, it's one of those like on the TV, and then everyone controls with mm-hmm. the phone, and you do like fun mini games yeah. and stuff. And now, just to point out, That's You is actually not exclusive to PlayStation in the sense that it's also on mobile. Um, I would still give it to That's You though, because we already have Drive Club in the first bracket. The VR apparently was like a not so great spin-off yeah. of drive club so okay that's totally me I've, I've actually played that's you and i think yeah. it is incredibly fun good um and it, it utilizes the phone more so than something like jackbox does because like, you take pictures of yourself and stuff mm. too so i actually okay. really like that game it's it's very cool. good okay uh next up number six we have knowledge is power versus uh predator hunting grounds um so knowledge is power another phone game but instead of this one's more of a quiz type format yeah. Um, and then Predator Hunting Grounds, obviously, is the, it came up pretty recently. It's one of those, um, you know, one versus four. One one player plays the Predator. Yeah, kind of like a Evolve team. sort of thing. I think that Predator Hunting Grounds should, should get this one on the premise that the phone games, like how many are you really going to put in the bracket? You know, like, is it really that amazing to have on PlayStation? Like there's, you know, like Predator Hunting Grounds, even though it's not a huge title, I think is is a cool property to own for some. Okay, I, I, that's fair. I mean, I, the playing rounds are really more like honorable mentions they than really anything are. else. So yeah, okay, we'll give it to, to Predator. Okay. Yeah, I feel if any one of us has even a semblance of an opinion on these playing ones, we'll go with that. 
Uh, let's get the last two out of the way real quick. Uh, the second last play-in, we're in the circle section of the bracket now. Uh, Nak 2 versus Shenmue 3. I think it has to be Shenmue 3 because the Shenmue series was such like a weird niche, critically acclaimed, but also kind of hated series. And then 3 like just came out of nowhere and sort of excited some people as a weird cult classic. So I think the fact that people, you know, have a very strong opinion about that game says a lot more than, oh, it's Knack 2. <laughs> Completely agree. Uh, let's move to the last play-in round. We have Farpoint versus Drawn to Death. Um, and I would like to say that Drawn to Death is, is another one of those games that got shut down a few years ago. Mm -hmm. I think it came for free on PS Plus after a while and then got just shut down. Um, Farpoint is a VR shooter, and I think just because of that, the PSVR is obviously not shut down, and Farpoint actually looked pretty cool from what I could see. It did, it did. Um, so I would easily say Farpoint. I, I think you're in I easily agree. Drawn to Death, I will say, interested me for the first 10 seconds I looked at it because the art style was interesting, and then I found out it was just a bunch of like really bad potty humor jokes and yeah. stuff, and I was like, Because mm, it's such a cool concept, right? But yeah, it's out. So that's yeah. the play-in rounds. Now we can start the real bracket now that we have the... Uh, game slotted okay. into the missing spot. Perfect. Spots. So back up to the triangle bracket so, now. Yeah, for those of following along with the picture, uh, we've got the top left part of the bracket, the triangle bracket, which we will start. I think we decided instead of going like quadrant by quadrant on the, you know, March Madness style bracket, we're going to go all the first rounds, then go into all the second rounds, all the thirds. I, I think so. Kind of make the contenders more... Because you know, intense as you go, the games and... will get better and better. The games that are not eliminated. So yeah, let's start with exactly. that. We have in the triangle section the first game, number one versus sixteen. We have God of War versus Octodad: Deadliest Catch. And <laughs> I think as much as we could maybe praise Octodad for its quirkiness, there's probably no question that God of War. Yeah, this is this is kind of like a David versus Goliath kind of kind of situation. And I'm I'm gonna shockingly put my vote in for God of War. We're in unit. We're unanimous. Let's move on. Uh, the next matchup we have is Until Dawn versus Firewall Zero Hour. Okay, um, this one's slightly more more interesting. I think um, I put mine in for Until Dawn. Mm. I think it was it was kind of a like one of the first really big games that came exclusive for PS4, and I think it sort of opened up the like visual narrative genre to a lot of people who hadn't sort of played that before and I think the quick time events and the choose your own story worked really well in a horror setting yeah I can I can echo that I, I really enjoyed Until Dawn I think it's it's the kind of game that not everyone's going to get into but then not everyone's going to get into a VR shooter either yes. um, I will say like I, I want to give a shout out to Zero Hour just because mm -hmm. I've, I've, out of all the VR games that have kind of come to PS uh, VR aside from Astrobot Rescue Mission um, and Moss, which are kind of the big two. I've, I've heard a lot of good things about Firewall Zero Hour. Yeah. And I think that it's, um, you know, an honorable mention, but I think Until Dawn will win. Yeah, I agree. I think like, the VR section is, you know, it's really great and it's innovative, but it's also a lot more niche and not available mm -hmm. to, to as but many people. remembering our criteria, I think like we got to remember what's important, to, not just the best game, but what's important to PlayStation. So you yes. can make an argument like having some strong VR titles is good for PlayStation, but I still agree with you. I think it's until mm -hmm. dawn here. So um, let's move along. The next matchup we have is Wipeout Omega Collection versus Everybody's Golf VR, um, which I will say um, this is a tough one. Like these it are was, both. It was weird. Yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here, and I'm actually gonna say I will. I would like to go for Everybody's Golf VR because mm -hmm. I think Wipeout Omega Collection, like that game, just it's like a futuristic, bland kind of aesthetic. There's not a lot of like. You could look at it and you might, it doesn't like pop. It doesn't, it's not very recognizable. Mm -hmm. And and I think that 
you got to have some VR representation for for PlayStation, right? And everybody's golf is like, by all accounts, like you can customize. It's kind of fun. It's casual. You can play with your friends. Like if all your friends had a VR headset, it might be kind of fun to jump in and do some like Wii golf style fun stuff like that. I I just I just can't get behind Wipeout. I okay, guess. that that's fair. This this was one of my ones where I was actually hoping that you had a, a strong opinion on because I was kind of like I think, I think stuck in opinion, this weird limbo yeah. of like how do you compare these two? Like neither of them really stand out. Like the golf has that interesting like VR component and like an online kind of community it's trying to build, yeah. even though it's a golf game. And that's why I'd vote for it. Like because Wipeout to me is just just so standard looking like it just doesn't like to me if like what's more valuable to playstation like that that wipeout racing yeah, game just that'll isn't... never come up on lists and like mm-hmm. i didn't know about it before because it's just yeah, a drop we're... in the bucket kind of thing yeah. you go with so, everybody's golf VR? I, I think yeah let's give everybody's golf a, a chance okay uh so next up we have um ratchet and clank versus amplitude opinion uh see this is an interesting one because it's the ratchet and clank but it, it is kind of like it's not the whole Ratchet and Clank franchise. It's just no. It's game to game. The one that came out on PS4, which I don't think was really huge or like a, the best representation of what Ratchet and Clank is as a as a franchise. Yeah, well, it's interesting, right? Because it's the yeah. only Ratchet and Clank game we've had on PS4, and and it was really good. Like I really enjoyed it. I think Ratchet and Clank is it's not an A tier property for or like an S tier property for PlayStation, but I think it's a really solid like second wave kind of yeah kind of game although and a rift a rift between worlds yes, looks fantastic. looks really good looks really good and i think i think i don't know i just i just feel like ratchet and clank is such an entrenched playstation property mm-hmm. like you almost have to vote for it over amplitude even though amplitude is cool in its own way yeah i i was kind of torn with this one too because i i think like the the influence part comes in and i think this is sort of getting a little bit like bigger than just the one game itself but i, I think we have to give it a ratchet and clank just for representing what that franchise does represent in the history of PlayStation. Mm-hmm. But Amplitude was a hard one. Like, I wish I could have switched Wipeout and Amplitude or something because right, right. Amplitude is, like, such a unique and interesting rhythm game and, like, you know, that whole genre is just, like, it's such a creative and weird thing to have in games. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I, I guess, yeah, I mean, uh, Amplitude got maybe an unfortunate matchup, I guess. But yeah, I, I feel I like you so. have to go with, unless one of the first party games really is is flat i feel like at least in the first round right like this this maybe amplitude would have beat days gone for me Mm. i think i might have agreed with that but maybe not ratchet and clank yeah uh let's move on we've got the next matchup here horizon zero dawn versus sakura wars um i'd never really heard of sakura wars at all before looking for this bracket and i think in a weird way it might be something that i might like being a persona fan Mm-hmm. Um, it's maybe a bit more heavy on like the dating, the dating sim, sim stuff than I would like, which I think would ultimately turn me off, but it looks like it has some cool ideas in there. Um, that being said, I don't think anyone can argue Horizon Zero Dawn is like maybe the biggest new property that's come out for Sony this generation. So in terms of like success and, and like a new franchise, right? Yeah. I, see, this is the thing too, where I kind of get into that weird middle ground of like franchise versus the one game. So Sakura Wars is something I'd also never heard of and actually like kind of went down the rabbit hole looking into and it seems really interesting. It's like visual novel, dating sim, and then originally a it's tactical... It's like an action RPG, right? This, this, this version is. This version is an action RPG, kind of like a hack and slash, but the traditional games were turn-based and I think I would be much more interested in that than like the 
hack and slashy right. kind of combat. I agree completely. Because I'm, I'm not so into the Dynasty Warriors type stuff. But yeah. th- if it was like a turn-based game, if this was like the second Sakura Wars, I may have actually been swayed. Because I didn't, yes. I'm personally like, I didn't really get down with Horizon Zero Dawn. Like I didn't really in, enjoy it a whole lot when I played it. That's a really controversial opinion because mm-hmm. people love it. But that's like my, my opinion. Whereas like I think for PlayStation as a brand, there's no question Horizon Zero Dawn is like the biggest game out of these two i I don't know see it uh, i'm kind of torn because it it is like in terms of just ps4 absolutely like i've never even heard of sakura wars so that says a lot but obviously that franchise is much bigger in japan and i looked into it and it's actually like i can't remember it's either the third or the fourth um yeah the four is the fourth best selling visual novel franchise is after a Sakura what, Danganronpa, Wars. Phoenix, after right? it beat Danganronpa. It's after Phoenix. It beat Danganronpa. I believe. God. Don't take my word 100 percent on it. I believe it did. There's a like an 80s one that I hadn't really heard of, and obviously Phoenix Fright is up there. And then there's one more, and then the Sakura Wars, and it's an old game. Like it came out. The first one is 96, and I feel like like just having looked into it briefly, it like kind of pioneered the genre. So like this is a big deal, Man. especially like in Japan where those. I mean, like, the visual novels are catching on here, which is really nice, but they're obviously very big in Japan. So I was like, this game has such an interesting history, and it sort of, like, blends multiple genres together, and, like, it's just so, so weird and unique. So and are, you, are you, I get the sense you're arguing for Sakura I, Wars here. I think I am, even though I think Horizon is a, looks like a fantastic game, and it's on my shame list of, like, I really want to play soon. And the thing that sticks out to me most about Horizon is the world is so interesting with the nature and the machines living in harmony together and put together. But aside from that, I don't think it really does anything that it's kind of just an open world game beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? As because we're arguing kind of our own opinions of like what's the best game Mm -hmm. as well as like what's most important to PlayStation, I think there's no question that that um, Horizon Zero Dawn is more important to PlayStation like personally, but. I, I can see your argument and I because I didn't really like Horizon, if you're really strong about Sakura Wars, I will I will let you have it. Okay. I, I think it's I think, nice. We'll make this a little more spicy, you know. You yeah. expect the big the big games to always come out on top, but maybe Sakura Wars is something that you know, you've never played a game quite like it and it might refresh you in a weird way and, and maybe I'm selling it way too much and it's kind of one of those weird too much daty sims that's like yeah, <laughs> uh oh, yeah, what yeah. am I promoting? But I don't know. It it kinda caught my attention. Okay. Well, you know what? Let's make a controversial statement. We'll put Sakura Wars. I'm I'm down. Let's do All right. it. Right. Wonderful. Um. Uh, next matchup we have here. We're almost done the the first bracket, the first mm-hmm. section of the bracket. We've got um, Ghost of Tsushima, everyone's favorite new open world game, versus Everybody's Gone to Rapture, or Everyone's Gone to Rapture. Everybody's Gone. You know what? I don't ever want to go to Rapture. I played part of this game <laughs> for about 15 minutes one time, 20 minutes, maybe a bit longer than that. I'm selling a bit short. This game, I don't like to really like trash talk a lot of stuff. I had not been more bored in a long time than when I played this. And it's hmm. ju- you're just walking around collecting audio logs. Like it, it's, it's just really slow, and I couldn't really get into it. And I mean, I don't think I really have to argue for against Ghost of Tsushima here. Like I think. I mean, you love Ghost of Tsushima. I, I mean, there are there are not many things that Ghost of Tsushima like. It, it was like just you're unfortunate. Like you're coming up against Ghost of Tsushima right now, and I I'm, I'm a little biased because I'm currently absolutely and captivated by it. But like, it's not a fair matchup. It's no. got to be Ghost of Tsushima. I, I think Rapture is going to be sent to Rapture, and we'll move <laughs> along with Ghost. Um, let's move to the last matchup of uh, you know round one in the triangle bracket. We have. Or second last, second my last. mistake, my yeah. mistake, getting ahead. Um, the Last Guardian versus The Forest. 
Um, the Forest is another game I hadn't really heard of before this, which is, it looks actually really cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you watched any gameplay or like know much about it, yeah. but, but to me, I actually think I would go with The Forest here over last guardian last guardian was one of those i think it was in development hell for seven years and it was it was uh you know billed as the next game to come out from um, japan studio after shadow colossus i believe anyway am i right on that i can't remember i think so um but either way like i think it it just kind of was in development for so long and it kind of came out and was middling and had some weird ai stuff going on whereas the forest like it looks like a really cool survival game with these interesting enemies where they're they're like kind of zombies but they're kind of people and they're cannibals and you you like have some interesting moral choices to make and it, you're kind of just surviving in this forest. It looks really cool and I'd actually like to try playing it. And mm. I think that there's more potential for a game like that than The Last Guardian, which isn't really going to become a franchise or didn't really come out with like huge critical acclaim after this seven-year development time. Like, huh. Now, this is really interesting because I've got The Last Guardian as my thing and, and I agree that like it, it was sort of a wasted potential. I think there's a lot of people that really liked the game. Um, and there's also a lot of people that found that they couldn't enjoy it because of some poorly optimized controls or some some buggy sections that it was hard to control. I think Tycho is the is Tycho the studio or the or the dog. For, um, I I couldn't tell you to be honest. It's no, the, the, the dog. The dog's name the is Tycho. Yeah, yeah, yeah I believe. Yeah. But like people had trouble controlling him and like felt like it would just got frustrating to play. So. It's a shame because it, it felt like the game had so much potential. It was a really like unique, like different control. This big monster and like you go on this mm-hmm. journey and he probably is a great answer for your favorite animal companion, assuming that you didn't like the game. Assuming you didn't like curse him out for like not moving correctly or something. But The Forest came out, I think it's a it's a good game on its own merit and I, I know it's really reviewed well. But it came out to me when there was like kind of a saturation of like survival horror. Yeah. In the market, like, there's a lot of, like, survival, horror, crafting, like... Right, but there's not... I don't know if PlayStation has another one that's exclusive. Right, exactly. So PlayStation doesn't have another exclusive. They also don't have another exclusive animal companion adventure. No, I... I, Yeah. But but. I I think, like, there were just a lot of other options, maybe not exclusive to PlayStation, but just in the market in general, to, to have that kind of experience, whereas there's nothing like The Last Guardian. And while it's a shame it, it wasn't as good as it should have been maybe maybe there's something else that comes out that that does as well as it there there is an argument to be made that the last guardian is is regardless of how good it is it's Mm -hmm. very iconic to playstation and i can totally get behind that because because it was such a storied game in terms of like it's Mm -hmm. saga and i think there is some merit to that um i've if i had played the forest as and i and i enjoyed it i think i would be more um, mm-hmm. more, like, more willing to fight for it but you're right there are a lot of survival type of games and it doesn't look yeah. particularly aside from like the interesting AI that they have it doesn't look particularly like it, it noticeable in its in its look it didn't look like it took as many risks as yeah something. and it's not as pretty as something like Firewatch or, or something like that mm-hmm. so I'm not super passionate I, I could go for The Last Guardian if you're if you're really okay. into it so. I, I feel strongly about it it's a game okay. I I haven't I really want to check out just because it's so it's so unique and it's its own thing Okay, you know what? we're only in the first round. We'll play nice for now. Okay. Last Guardian's good. Sure. Um, let's but finish this is off. the last time. That's true. You'll be nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's finish off the triangle bracket uh, round one. We've got Dreams versus uh, the winner of the play-in, Days Gone. And for me, this is where Days Gone is gone. And <laughs> we have to give it to Dreams here. Um, yeah. I think Dreams is, 
an incredible platform that's been created. And I think with PlayStation's promise of like the share button and, you know, moving forward, we've maybe heard some speculation of like Dreams, you know, going not maybe being free, but like more integration with that kind of thing going forward. I think Dreams is a clear cut winner here, especially like Media Molecule, like, you know, Little Big Planet, they did that for years. They've kind of moved on to even more creation freedom. And I think Dreams is just like an amazing yeah, um, I game here. I could not agree more. I think the only way Days Gone's winning is in your dreams. <laughs> we get some. Nice, nice, nice. This is the quality content people listen to right? Circles and Squares for. All right. Well, we finish off the first. Uh, we're we're one quarter done. The I got that right this time. Right, last time I had the fraction problem. That's right. Yeah, we we've learned our math uh, in the in the last two weeks. So we're now a quarter of the way there through our first, first round. One. So let's move on. Let's start uh, the next quarter. Uh, we have in the square bracket section, we have um, Uncharted 4 versus Drive Club, which we put in as the play-in winner. Um, let's okay. just get this out of the way. Uncharted, Uncharted 4, 4 wins. Uh, see you later, Drive Club. Yep. Um, let's go next round, or next matchup, we have Gravity Rush 2 versus Fire Pro Wrestling World. So these were two games I had to look up. I will right. admit to that. And I've chosen Fire Pro Wrestling World. Um, I've been very much influenced by this guy I found on YouTube who was doing a review <laughs> This of is it. so professional. Uh, he was very professional. But he just, like, this game had, I expected it to be like one of those WWE games. Like like the wrestling yeah, kind of it's silly. Yeah, it's really not. Like, it's it's, it's pretty cool. It's really not. Like, there's a lot to it. Like, this is the Dark Souls of wrestling. They was talking about how, like, you have to time everything so, like, precisely and, like, the combat. And, like, the guy was saying, like, I don't know, maybe he's just kind of weird. But he said his favorite thing to do was, like, to simulate matches and, like, do the, yeah, like, yeah. like, one of those, like, manager modes almost. Because you can, you can like, make anyone you want in the game. And it's very customizable and you can kind of set up your own leagues and whatever. Like, I, I'm on board with that completely. I don't have a... Gravity Rush to me is a, is a cool, like you know, thing to play around with like a sandbox for a little bit. Like, mm. but I don't think it really draws me in. And the, and the mechanic of like changing the gravity, I don't think has enough, you know, variability to be something that's really yeah, amazing. Yeah, exactly. It looked like maybe a kind of a cool tech thing, but didn't really translate to tons of, of fun gameplay yeah, mechanics. Exactly. And in terms of like Fire Pro could be a big thing moving forward on like, you know, not a big thing, but it could have like a niche <laughs> audience as far as like, you know, like the Twitch community or yeah, whatever, watching like, some. Exactly. Some stuff, I, so. I was pleasantly surprised by what that game sort of like, it, it like onioned into so many different layers I wasn't expecting. Yeah, let's go with that. Um, moving along, we've got Uncharted The Lost Legacy versus Dragon Quest Heroes 3. Um, and I would personally like to go with Uncharted Lost Legacy. Um, I think a lot of people actually say that's their favorite Uncharted game. Um, I've not actually, that's the one I've not played and I it's in my pile of shame uh, <laughs> and I need to get to it. But I think Dragon Quest Heroes is, is very much like it's a Dynasty Warriors type of game. Like Dragon Quest is a franchise that isn't really associated with PlayStation. And it's no, on Nintendo and stuff. No, it's on a lot of different like, platforms. I just, I think it's... It's in Smash Bros now. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's got to be a good game for those that are looking for it. But I think there's no question for PlayStation. And what's probably the better game is Uncharted Lost yeah, Legacy, like, right? Yeah, I, I want to give out a shout to this to Dra this Dragon Quest game just because this game is different than how the genre normally plays. It's like a Dynasty Warriors mm -hmm. where like, so it's kind of like, almost like a spin-off game. It's, it is a spin-off completely. Um, which I think is really cool. I always really appreciate when developers do that, when they make a game that's you know like a different way to play in yeah. the same world that you really enjoy it's fun because it in, you know engages you in a different way gets you to try out something you maybe wouldn't try and like well, I, you try I out think, something new with a skin that you're familiar with exactly you know? like i always think that's super cool to experience something you love in, in a different way but i agree it's got to be uncharted i think you know this was 
it's yeah. such an important big franchise and it's also really cool to play not as nathan drake but one of the supporting cast which mm-hmm. you know it was it's cool. Really fun it's really cool when people. games let you do that too. Yeah. Um, let's move along and have a bit of a Marvel uh, Civil War. We have Marvel Spider-Man <laughs> really versus. On the same side. <laughs> well, I think they were. Yeah. Uh, Marvel Spider-Man versus Marvel's Iron Man VR, and we can shout out Iron Man VR. I think for being like a, a really cool exclusive experience on the PSVR. Like, who doesn't want to be Iron Man? That's my favorite mm-hmm. superhero. Like, I want to try that. But I mean, Marvel Spider-Man, fantastic game. A lot of people would say it's their favorite PS4 game. Like, I think it's easy. Yeah, I think this one's unfortunate. There's a few VR games in this challenge or in the bracket. In the brackets. Um, and I think out of all of them, the Iron Man one is the one that I think is most interesting because it's such a smart thing to make into a VR game. Like to have like the like Jarvis oh, up and have like and the it, icons and like the, it's like you're wearing the headset. It's like wearing the mask in Iron Man and like the way that they move with like you move your hands to like propel yourself in different directions with the boosters. Like, yeah, it's, it's a perfect it's setup. It's so smart. And I wish it wasn't up against... I, I, I think it's cute they put it up against Spider-Man. But they I, I'm sad that they did because you can't not give it to Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. As much as I want this VR game to be like the pioneer for the VR in this bracket. But... Mm. Totally. Well, uh, let's give it to Spider-Man and move along. We have mm-hmm. uh, the next matchup here. We have Neo versus Fist of the North Star uh, Lost Paradise. And I didn't know this Fist of the North Star is another one. Complete blind spot to me. Like I, it's an anime series. And mm-hmm. this game is kind of like a Yakuza style, maybe Mad Max type vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually looking at some footage of it, preparing for this. I actually remember I, act- I watched someone play this in person. And oh. this game surprisingly even though the i will i will like to argue for fist of the north star here oh, um, I'm over surprised. neo and i'll tell you why two reasons is that like there's not a lot of games that are around like a cool anime series that aren't just like a total cash-in type thing and i think this actually looks like a really good game and i enjoy the yakuza games a lot and the other reason is that neo like people like that game it's really good but i mean on this bracket we have neo 2 which is a updated version of neo like a sequel and we have bloodborne coming up later so do we really need another one of those souls type games and that's not even including like the rest of the dark souls which is all on playstation as well as everything else like i just don't see how neo is necessary now see i want to fight for this one and and maybe you guys will just all face palm at me for well yeah it's the dark souls game of course you will but the main reason that i want to stick up for neo here is because i actually in a later bracket spoilers didn't give it to neo too and it's because of the matchups. And I think that, well, the other game here... Uh, Fist of the North Fist Star. Fist of the North Star, thank you. Seems like kind of a neat game. It's also like you said you watched someone play it and then you didn't remember it. Like it, it kind of seems forgettable, right? Like, yeah. You just made me look like a complete fool <laughs> in front of all of our listeners. Ha <laughs> ha. It's because I've been playing so much Dang and Rampa lately. <laughs> <laughs> um but it, it, it just yeah it's cool that it's based off of an anime and yeah i agree it's nice to get an anime game that isn't just like a you know like a ridiculous dragon ball beat em up kind of thing but it, as a game in and of itself it just doesn't seem like it does any one thing in a particularly interesting way like it just it seems like generic action game 101 and like if you're into the the comic or like the source materials that's great but like it as a game just in its own right like i don't think it's really like standing out in any particular way neo looks fantastic uh it's sitting on my shelf downstairs um 
and it's really neat it's not just a dark souls clone like it, it's got some really interesting like stamina management mechanics and like you you have abilities to like manipulate that and you have different stances and it's very much its own unique game within i guess that souls genre are encompassing yeah. so you know I'll, I'll stop you there and i will say i'll say something to you right here I, uh, mm-hmm. the fact that you say you you're not voting for neo 2 makes me way more inclined to agree with you on this one mm-hmm. particularly because i didn't vote for neo 2 later either oh, okay. um, <laughs> i convenient. was gonna argue that neither is actually most important to playstation just because uh-huh. of bloodborne's humongous presence yes um I was more going for some variety and diversity here, but okay. like I, I've not played Fist of the North Star, whereas you've obviously mm-hmm. experienced a lot of I mean, maybe you Neo. haven't, you just forgot about it. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Um, I've, I've been really nice so far, I think. I've been really letting you, you have been. some of these wins. I hope wins. this doesn't come back to bite I'm me. I'm honestly, I'm down to let you have Neo. If okay. I'd played Fist of the North Star, if it was something else, maybe so, but the fact that you're not going for Neo 2 later really makes mm-hmm. me want to tone down my argument here. Okay. So let's do Neo. Okay. I'll take it. Um, like like a naive fool, I will, like I will take yeah. it. <laughs> uh, okay, next up, we have Rezogun versus Street Fighter V. And this is a very interesting matchup for me. Rezogun is a game, I think, that's really associated with like an er- one of the early PS4 games that kind of was one of the indies. We talk about indies propping up console lunches all the time. And I think Rezogun really did that for PlayStation 4. And there's no question that Street Fighter V is like a much bigger property in terms of Mm -hmm. gaming. Like Street Fighter is one of the biggest games in the world in terms of like name recognition and branding. But you could argue it both ways because Street Fighter V, like it's really cool that PlayStation has it as a console exclusive. That like that's awesome that they were able to secure that. But at the same time, like the game is also on PC. And and yes. it's and it's played there probably just as much if not more because people can run like higher frame rates and graphics on their PC compared to their PlayStation a lot of the time. Yeah, as, as a counterpoint that that though when tournaments are held, they're held on PlayStation. On PlayStation yeah. See, so, I'm, I'm really I'm not, I guess I'm not I'm not more in favor of Resogun. I I think I'm just talking it through. Like I don't really right. know what the because I think it is a strong argument to make that. The, the fact that Street Fighter V is exclusive on console to PlayStation is is pretty big and meaningful to right, PlayStation. Right, because like you said, it's a very big fighting mm-hmm. game. And this is, like, if you'll notice, there's only one other fighting game that shows up on this, yeah. this tournament. Yeah. And Street Fighter V, like, I, I might have a small personal investment in it. I'm not a huge fighting game player aside of outside of Smash. Um, but I have played a little bit of Street Fighter and I, I really enjoy watching it. And I think this fighting game in particular is like the one that I watch at Evo. And I enjoy watching it as much as I enjoy watching Smash, even though I don't play, because they did such a good job of making it like a nice spectator sport to watch. Like mm-hmm. it's very oh, I can agree easy with that too. to follow along for an audience, even if you're not incredibly familiar with like the complexities of the game. Yeah. And the fact that it's turned into such a massive like esport and such a huge like game that goes to these big fighting tournament events and for it to be exclusively played on playstation at those events i think is a really big deal you know what i think talking this out has helped me help me come to agree with this i I guess i was thinking historically like resogun is was important to playstation previously but looking at it now in 2020 i would say like how important is a Resogun as a brand? Like Street Fighter, obviously. Like imagine, mm-hmm. imagine if Street Fighter Six comes out in like whatever time frame that is, and it's exclusive again. Like that's a huge yeah, win for that would Sony, be right? Huge. So let's go with Street Fighter there. Okay, uh, but a good shout out to Resogun because I also think that game is it was it was sad to leave that one behind. Yeah. Um, now this is an interesting one for me again. Uh, next up in the second last matchup of the square bracket, we have Judgment versus Detroit Become Human, two games which I have played a lot. 
Um, and I love them both for different reasons. Um, do you have any opinions? Have you played either of these? You I, haven't, right? Yeah, like you were saying earlier, we'll do that segment on the like, games where we're ashamed we haven't played yet, and these these games are on there. I, I put Detroit, um, even though they're both games I'm interested in, I think are really like yeah. fantastic, unique games. But Detroit to me, and, and maybe I loved Heavy Rain so much, so it has that small yeah. bias. We both have it, a big Quantic Dream love, I think, is something think we share so. in terms of games we like. And and um, I think ultimately, I didn't want to influence your opinion in mm-hmm. case you had one, but I was going to go for Detroit as well. Okay. Um, I think Detroit's a really tight experience, and I think it was not, it didn't get as much love as I think it deserves. And a lot of it beca- comes because of the, like, the turmoil kind of with Quantic Dream as a studio, you know, mm-hmm. people don't like some of the decisions they make and like stuff that their leaders say. But all in all, I think Detroit Become Human is a really cool game. And one of the coolest things about it is like you can do a lot of bad stuff in that game. Like you can cause riots and have a lot of different outcomes that are not always like the good option, mm-hmm. which is something new for those style of games, which usually you're trying to make the right choices to survive. But in this one, you can yes. like purposely choose chaos. And as much as I love Judgment, like I, I'm, I like the Yakuza series a lot. I played a lot of them recently. I think Judgment, like Judgment, I haven't beaten it. I've played a lot of it, and but I just kind of fell off. It just eventually becomes a little bit too, not enough is going on. It's not quite compelling enough. And I think at the end of the day, like as good as it is, I think it's got to be Detroit. I think so. I, I think another thing you're saying, just as another point for why it didn't get received as well, is it's quite a controversial game as well in terms of like the story that it wants to mm-hmm, tell and mm-hmm. how you can interact with the story. Like you can take some kind of darker roots and it has some kind of like, maybe thought-provoking message that maybe you could interpret in different ways. But I think that it's good that those things exist because it it challenges you as a player. Yeah, it shouldn't always be the easy thing. That's true. Uh, So let's do Detroit Become Human here. And finally, to finish off the square bracket, we have Bound, the game that won the play-in round, versus Bloodborne. Yeah. And we're going to move along quickly and give it to Bound. Uh. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, It's obviously Bloodborne. Uh, let's move right along. We love that game. We'll talk about it more later. Okay, so let's move on to the cross bracket now, which is the third of four uh, with our first matchup, which is uh, Persona 5 versus the winner of one of the plans, which was That's You. That's uh, we unfortunate. That's you, right? Or did we give it to Drive Club? We no, gave it to That's, that's you. you. That's right. But so it doesn't matter it doesn't because matter. Persona 5 wins. <laughs> yeah, you, you never saw that one coming. That's a little Persona <laughs> reference for you fans out there. Very nice. And uh, let's move along. Second matchup here in the cross bracket, we have Infamous Second Son versus Alien Nation. This one, I would like to give a shout out. Personally, I think it's Infamous Second Son. I don't, is that what you have? Um, I'm going to be honest. Like, I put down Alienation, but I, have, I, I played the first Infamous, and I was very underwhelmed by it yeah and the series as a whole is just something that hasn't really resonated well with me okay that's fair which is funny because i'm i'm loving ghost so much and this was sucker punch's other last big franchise yeah but um, i think infamous i will i'll agree with you completely like the first one doesn't really hold up i played it a few years ago as well but i think the series has come a long way since the first entry yeah that's fair i played alienation actually i beat it with a friend of mine and we had a really really good time but I think it's just the kind of game that's not doesn't move the needle, you know. It's just right. it's just one of those. It's a fun couch co-op experience, but it doesn't like I didn't even know it was a PlayStation exclusive until we looked at this bracket. And I whereas Infamous is like maybe not the biggest property for PlayStation right. and but Sucker Punch has moved along, but it, it's recognizable. And I think Infamous, the fact that Second Sum was like a well-received game, like it leads to maybe it could come back in the future once Sucker Punch is maybe wanting to return or if they give it to a different studio or something like. 
I think I think it has okay. to be infamous here. That, that's fair. I'll, I'll concede. I don't feel incredibly yeah. strongly. Okay. Um, next matchup we have is Neo 2 versus Concrete Genie. And I'm so glad to say that neither of us went with Neo 2 because Concrete Genie is such a unique and interesting... You yeah. know, it's, it's a game that's, that's kind of one on its own. It, it is it's an art-focused game, which doesn't... We get artistic games a lot of the time, but not specifically a game centered around creating art. So, like, you're kind of like... A graffitier, I yeah, guess. Yeah, you're, you're a graffiti artist and you're kind of, I think it's it's kind of a whimsical little story. And, yeah, it's and almost kind of like like appropriate for children as well, but I think anyone could really like dive in and, and enjoy it for a few hours. Yeah, it's, I think it would, it seems just like a really cathartic experience and, and um, you know, it's just unique. And I like, I like, I, I would encourage anyone trying something out of the box, which is very much is Concrete Genie, whereas Neo 2, um, I mean, it's a good game by all accounts, but I think it's just, it's another one of those, you know. I think so. I, I'm glad that we have other Neo, or the first Neo on here to kind of to get some representation, you know, to represent that a little bit. But Concrete Genie is just such a, it's one of those games we referenced earlier. We're talking about, you know, getting feedback from players. It's a game that clearly had a very strong vision from the creator and they just set out and made something unique and different. And it looks like such a charming, it looks like watch like when you're choosing a movie to watch and you choose like a Pixar movie, that's the equivalent of choosing this game to play for your evening. <laughs> Right, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I, I'm happy that you picked it too. Okay, next matchup is uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake versus Killzone Shadowfall. This one, what do you think? Uh, well, I went with the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Obviously, it's it's super big and topical right now, but I, I, I like it for what it is. But I also, obviously, because Final Fantasy is such a huge game, but I also like it for what it did in, like, recreating the game because it didn't just update the graphics and you know smooth out some of the gameplay and, and throw it to everyone like here here's this game re like enjoy it and be mm-hmm. nostalgic mm-hmm. over it it changed a lot of things and it like changed almost everything it added in bun- a bunch of like additional story beats that were not in the first game and i think that's a really cool approach to bringing and revolutionizing an older game so i i think it probably wins just for being Final Fantasy VII in its own right, but then it also has that extra layer to it where it was approached in a really interesting way. That's an interesting thing to say, Kate, and I think we may have our first problem. <gasps> really? And I'll I'm, tell you why. I'm shocked. I'll tell you why. I would like to start by saying I played, as many people know who listen to the show, our first mm. episode I actually spoke about Final Fantasy VII Remake, and I love this game, and I still love it. It's, um, it's uh, you know entrenched in my top 50 games of all time list. Um, I think it's an excellent experience and maybe my game of the year this year so far. Like Mm -hmm. I've obviously played some Last of Us and everything as well, but it's great. I love it. But here's the thing. The game is not going to be exclusive to PlayStation forever. It's, Mm. it's going to come to Xbox like within, I think, I think it's got a year exclusivity on PlayStation or something. It is a timed exclusive. And it's not a true PlayStation exclusive. Whereas Killzone, I mean, let's be honest, Killzone is not the most popular shooter series in the world. Shadowfall, I think, was a, it was a PlayStation 4 launch game back in 2013, and it was well received back then. It's just kind of forgotten about because there hasn't been another mm-hmm. installment, and you know, um, Guerrilla's moved on since, and obviously making Horizon now. So it's not like they're focusing on Killzone at the moment. Yes, but I would like to argue to you that because coupled with the the fact that Final Fantasy VII Remake is not exclusive forever uh-huh. coupled with the fact that in if you look at playstation's portfolio of games they don't have an exclusive first person shooter and right and the, the two they had back in the ps3 era was Killzone and resistance and resistance is long gone like 
haven't heard of that for years. Killzone actually made an appearance here, and I think that shooters are just a prevalent, such a prevalent genre. Like having a, an exclusive one in your stable of properties is very important. And I think Killzone, it wouldn't be Guerrilla making it going forward just because they've got you know Horizon going on now. But mm-hmm. I think in terms of like PlayStation as a whole. It's actually, I would like to argue Killzone is more important because they could revive it and make a battle royale or like do something with it in the future. And and I think it's just one of those exclusive brands that's a different genre than most of Sony's like third person action games. Right. Yeah. We tend, they tend to have like a similar kind of genre. Okay. That's interesting. You know what? You've been benevolent and kind to me. I'll give it to you um, because you've made a good argument. And also as the person who's played Final Fantasy for you to still choose Killzone has a lot of weight to it. Like I said, Final Fantasy VII Remake is amazing. And for you to mention how they change story beats, I'll say you have absolutely no idea (laughs) how much they have until you play it. But but it's not exclusive. Like, it's just not. And and that's the argument to me. Okay. You know? Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, There you go. I I no longer owe you. (laughs) There you go. Okay. Uh, Let's move along. Uh, Killzone Shadowfall is the winner there. Let's move to Tetris Effect versus Until Dawn Rush of Blood. Um, which is the a PSVR spinoff on Until Dawn. It's actually like an arcade shooter, which I didn't actually know um, until looking this up. But this one to me is like one of the most bland matchups, not because they're bad games, but I just think that Until Dawn looked really generic. Uh, Rush of Blood, I mean, like Until Dawn mm-hmm. itself is great. Um, and then Tetris Effect is a good game, but it's not console exclusive anymore to the PlayStation. Like it's on Xbox. Yeah, it's even on Switch now too. And Switch. I think. So, so I just don't see a clear winner here. Yeah, I, I don't think either of these really like have much to say in terms of like we are branding for PlayStation specifically. So I kind of went more on the side of like their games and not so much their impact. Mm-hmm. So I picked Tetris Effect. I know that like it's Tetris. Everybody's played Tetris. But it had such a weird reception when it came out. People were giving this game of the year. Well, people love Tetris, like, you know. People love Tetris, people but will they buy were that like every time. they were like so like raptured by this game and and the way that like the the sound and the music and people are saying like this like cured my mental health issues and people were just so incredibly like enthralled with tetris effect which is amazing for a game that's like one of the you know like first kind of like gaming experience people Mm -hmm. would, would have and it's such like a like a classic everybody's played and like nobody really would think tetris would ever stand out so yeah. I, I'm down to I go with Tetris with you too. And it's funny because a lot of them we've said like, oh, this game would have won if it had a better matchup. Well, this was the matchup for a game to take advantage of. Yes. And neither of them could do it. But I think Tetris <laughs> Effect is just a better game in general. So let's go with that. Deal. Um, Deal. Next up, we've got Nino Kuni 2 versus Dragon Quest Heroes, uh, which is another Dynasty Warriors style Dragon Quest game. Just the first one instead of the second one. And Nino Kuni. Um, Nino Kuni 2, I think, didn't get quite as good of reviews as the first one, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I don't think it did. It but was, I, it was different. Like they, they changed quite a bit for the second one. I know one of the big things, I played the first Nino Kuni and I, I quite enjoyed it. It was not a flawless game, but overall it was a really nice experience. Um, two didn't appeal to me as much. They got rid of the like creature capture familiar mm-hmm. system. It had sort of like a, a light kind of Pokemon style. You get yeah. a few different monsters and they like, you know, change as they level up. Yeah. Um, whereas in two, they just they drop that and and focus more on like using your own character you play as as opposed to calling in familiars to fight Mm -hmm. um as well as i I think the story 
one of the things that was really nice about one was that it was a very like personal intimate story even though it was set in a big sprawling fantasy world whereas this one's just really like big yeah, and over yeah. the top so what, what do you think in terms um, of this like neither this is another one like this is another yeah. one I, I don't feel super strongly about i put nino kuni 2 again just because it i i enjoyed the first game um dragon quest is obviously on so many dragon quest is not a game i associate with playstation yeah, i associate with it me. more with nintendo and i think that's where the conversation ends here yeah because because i'm the same in the same boat nino kuni to me is just a playstation type game so mm-hmm. um let's move along we got two matchups left for the first round um and cross we got orcs must die unchained versus everybody's golf this is this is if you weren't gonna win in the tetris until dawn matchup you're like this is your other chance <laughs> yeah orcs must die i must admit looked kind of fun when i when i kind of looked into it a bit mm-hmm. but it, it it just looks like it i don't know like it's cool it's tower defense but you also play like a third person yeah. action thing in it everybody's golf to me do we I mean, we gave it the VR. Yeah, I think I think because we gave it the VR representation, I'm actually happy going Orcs Must Die here. Yeah, I, I agree. I put Orcs Must Die because like it's kind of a different take on the tower defense, which is mm-hmm. interesting. It's unique, right? It's something different. Yeah, it looks like... Eh, yeah, yeah, we'll give it to Orcs well, Must Die. Yeah. This 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 conversation must die. Let's move on to the next, <laughs> the next challenge. Let's do it. We got one more matchup <laughs> left in the cross section, which is Shadow of the Colossus versus the other play-in winner, which was... Uh, was it Predator, Predator. Hunting Grounds? Yes. Doesn't matter. Shadow of the Colossus wins. Easy. Uh, easy. Hands Shadow down. of Colossus. Uh, let's move along and finish up the last section of the uh, initial round, which is the circle bracket. First matchup we have is Last of Us Part 2 versus Shenmue 3. And The Last of Us Part 2 is going to win. Absolutely. Absolutely. Goodbye, Shenmue. Goodbye, Shenmue. Uh, next up, we have Blood and Truth versus King of Fighters. Which King of Fighters is this? 14, 15? um it is it's 14 it's 14 14. um i would like to give this i'm strongly opinionated on blood of truth blood and truth for this one um i think this looks like a phenomenal vr game we don't have a lot of vr that's come out of the first round and i think that psvr is obviously like a big thing for playstation they want to push it going forward um and i think blood and truth is an excellent vr franchise whereas king of fighters is just like we already have street fighter 5 like Mm-hmm. King of Fighters is just like a second tier. Yep, I, I'm in total agreement. That's what I put down as well. Um, let's move then. Uh, next matchup we have is Pyre versus Gran Turismo Sport. I played Pyre back on PC when it came out, and I liked it quite a mm-hmm. bit. Like I, I think that I'm, I'm struggling to go against Gran Turismo here, though, in terms of like PlayStation's flagship racing title. Right. Um, yeah, I think this is where it gets into the issue of like PlayStation and branding because I would 100% want to give it to Pyre. Yeah. I think it's just such a weird, wacky, it's like a sports game. It is. But it's also very much like interpersonal like relationships and like choosing outcomes for your characters and like getting invested and like seeing how these characters' story progresses and yeah, choosing you make a lot of options. Tough choices like, in that game too. It is it is really cool. And and like I mean, this came from the studio that made like Transistor and Bastion, and they just like it's yeah. such a weird super giant spin kills it for every them. time. Like they they do a really yes. good job, and they're a great studio. I I want to give it to them because Super Giant to me is the epitome of like we have a creative vision we want to make, and we made this game. I hope you like it. Mm-hmm. And they just do whatever they want, and it's always so polished and beautiful. But again, I played it on PC. It's not yeah, a game I, I associated with PlayStation. And That's exactly right. And, and it's another one of those that falls into the camp of, I didn't know it was a PlayStation exclusive on console. Yeah, I would have sworn same. it would have been on Xbox and everything else as well. Same. Um, whereas Gran Turismo, I think, has that name. Like, it's Gran Turismo versus Forza, you know? Like, 
Xbox, PlayStation. I think yeah. it's uh, Gran Turismo, as much as I'm not a racing person, I think is definitely like the one I, here. I agree. I, I, I feel bad putting Pyre out at this stage, but it was not a game I expected to be on this list anyway. So mm-hmm. Gran mm-hmm. Turismo. Yeah. yeah. Um, we got MLB The Show 19 next versus Infamous First Light. And this is an interesting one because MLB The Show 19, um, people really like the show. It was like the PlayStation exclusive uh, baseball franchise, which is no longer going to be exclusive after MLB 19. Like moving forward from 2020, it's actually multi-platform. So as much as MLB The Show was, you know, a well-received sports game, I would be tempted to go with Infamous here just because it's going forward. It doesn't actually mean anything to PlayStation. So how could it be the winner of, of that criteria? Yeah, I I agree. I, I this one I don't like giving an opinion on because even though, like your argument makes sense that it's no longer going to be exclusive, and I don't I don't know anything really about the sports genre of games. It's something that I'm really not connected mm-hmm. to at all. Um, I think an argument could have been made for the show to win this. I would have voted for the show to be honest. I'm not a baseball person, but I just know like the you know dialogue around the game. If it was if it was to continue being exclusive, then right. I would have gone for it. But I think you have to go infamous here. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm comfortable with that. We've got two infamous now, which is yeah, interesting, not interesting. unexpected actually, but interesting but, and uh, unexpected. But sometimes the matchups just work out in your favor like that. So yeah. Um, next up, we got Res Infinite, which is a musical on the rails shooter kind of thing. Uh, versus Matterfall, a game I hadn't heard of, uh, which is another 2D action platformer by Housemark. These games, I mean, I don't really have much of an opinion on, to be honest with you. I think that Res Infinite, I'll always bring up. I've, I guess I've been arguing for a lot of the VR games. I think this one is one that I would be, isn't pushing the needle for me in the same way as maybe Blood and Truth in terms of like my right. passion for that. But I, it was a counter to that, though, as it's not exclusively a VR game. It is a game it's just a regular game that also is it got not port- exclusively VR? it is not no huh. um it got ported to it has a vr like port that you can play but it's also just a regular console game as well so right i don't think it's necessarily something that has to be like promoting or standing up for vr it just kind of translated nicely right um and that's the game i gave it to i think it's just a little bit more interesting it's got its own flavor um yeah the, the music component i think is is unique and I feel like the music component is kind of what sets it apart. Like Matterfall to me looks like it's fun, but it looks quite generic. Yes. So let's go Res Infinite. Okay. Um, Moving along, we got three matchups left in the first round. We've got Yakuza Song of Life versus the Playroom VR. Um, Another VR game. There's a lot of VR on here. There is quite a bit. Yeah. Which makes sense. I guess Sony VR, they've got, you know, a lineup of VR games going on. Yeah. Um, I'm easily voting Yakuza here. Um, I think Judgment didn't win. Yakuza's good representation for the bracket. I think they're good game. They're great games. I really enjoy them. And the Playroom VR, it's not really in the conversation for you know the same on the same caliber as a lot of these games, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that's where we draw the line. I I like Playroom VR. I like what it represents. I like that you know it looks like a fun way to integrate and like you know test out your VR set. But it, it's it's not really mm-hmm, a, mm-hmm. a game in the same way that Yakuza is, and I think yeah. that wins. Um, so the next matchup we have is Death Stranding versus Riggs Mechanized Combat League, which is another VR game where you control mechs. Mm-hmm. Um, that actually looked like a lot of fun to me, it, and I'm I don't I still don't know what my opinion ultimately is on uh, Death Stranding. So Riggs did look a lot like a lot of fun to me. Um, I. 
think that this is the game that gives you motion sickness if you get motion sickness yes, from VR, yeah, yeah. though. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's unfortunate. I, I think I give it to Death Stranding. It's, it's definitely a controversial game, but it is like such a... Just the Kojima that, name yeah, gives it some like, kind of clout. Exactly. You know? Like it's just such its own, un- it's just its own thing. There's nothing else quite like it. And like, I think the, the unfortunate thing that this game had that gave it such controversial reviews is people didn't know what to expect from it. Yeah. And yeah. then they, they wanted something. It's the same thing we were talking about before yeah, with the listener mail, right? Exactly. They, they didn't know what to expect. And then it turned out to not be a game for them because it, it's kind of a weird niche experience. Mm-hmm. But then there's other people that just, it, it was their life for like yeah. two months or whatever. And I, I think like just the amount of like press and information that swirled around Death Stranding alone puts it above I would agree with that. Which, how many of you guys, like, raise your hand. Have you heard of rigs? That's true. Uh, I don't have any argument against that. So we will go with that. And to finish off the first round of the bracket, we have the acclaimed Astrobot Rescue Mission versus Farpoint, the other play-in winner. Um, Neither of us have played Astrobot or Farpoint, but I think it's quite clear that Astrobot is uh, the winner here for sure. I think so. Astrobot is almost like a a mascot at this point. Yeah, it's coming that way, right? So let's go with that. And with that, we concluded the first round of the bracket. That was a lot of work. Um, Anyway, let's start the second round, shall we? Um, Back to the triangle bracket now. We have uh, the two winners from the first two matchups. We have God of War versus Until Dawn. And... (laughs) <laughs> I'm I love Until Dawn man but yeah. but God of War is like it's a high SS plus mega tier game and and I think it has yeah, to win. Yeah, I I agree. I I think this is one of those unfortunate matchups Until Dawn in a perfect world would maybe make it through a couple rounds before being eliminated but God of War is just such a behemoth to come up against. Yeah, it's got to be God of War, right? We got to be on. God of but, War. But we love you until dawn. Uh, it was a fun time with you, and uh, best of luck next bracket. <laughs> next up, we have a matchup between Everybody's Golf VR and Ratchet and Clank. I would like to pose Ratchet and Clank as the winner here. Um, Everybody's Golf, I think, you know what? Good party game, like the VR stuff, but Ratchet and Clank again. It's just like that PlayStation brand recognition. And I, I love Ratchet and I Clank. I think so too. And, and even with like, you know, Ratchet and Clank being announced as one of the big ps5 games that's going to be coming out i think yeah you can't really i think it's hard to make an argument for for a vr golf game up against exactly something yeah. like Ratchet and, and Clank. i think i think everybody's golf vr should be happy to have to have won a round yeah, honestly so exactly and i'm i'm glad to have learned about it but yeah. no shame in that no shame um next up we have kate's favorites uh <laughs> sakura wars versus ghost of tsushima oh this is a tough one for you i bet um, well, I will uh, surprise no one by saying that I think, well, Sacker Wars had its fun, and I'm glad I got to, uh, to slide it through a round. I've got to go with Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about that, for sure. Ghost of Tsushima right now is, is looking at a heavy contender for my game of the year. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think it's just it's such a refreshing, different thing, and I think it's the perfect send-off as like, the last big exclusive for, yeah, for PS4. Well, so Totally, yeah. And uh, I mean, yeah, realistically, come on, Soccer Wars, Ghost of Tsushima wins. Yeah. We got an interesting matchup here for the next round. We got The Last Guardian versus Dreams. You you were, I think, maybe a bit more on The Last Guardian than I was before, but... Mm-hmm. but um, I think it has to be Dreams here, and I think you would agree. Absolutely, too. I'm I'm more than happy to concede the Guardian. I yeah. think Dreams is is just such a phenomenal platform, and I, I don't know if it really counts as as a game. It's such such a unique. I, 
I think dreams is just the thing about dreams is just has so much potential and untapped yeah. like I, I creativeness. Think it, it's such an amazing place for people to to work out their creativity and and to get their hands dirty yeah. with with just you like the, yeah there's such a variety it's got to be dreams it's got to be dreams um, last guardian though made it further than i thought yeah. Um, one round, I guess one it's not round, super yeah. far. Oh, it's so much better than I thought. Like either you really, really yeah. underestimated that game, or uh, um, let's go along here, Kate. That's the triangle bracket actually already that finished. That was fast. Bracket. That was See, fast. Yeah. Speeds up when half the games are eliminated. I guess just like mm-hmm. Fall Guys. Uh, <laughs> next up, we're starting the square bracket now. We have Uncharted Four versus Fire Pro Wrestling World. And again, this is another one of those like gargantuan matchups for Fire Pro. I, there's no way it's taken out. Uh, Uncharted Four. That's right. You you might be able to win as the underdog in the ring, but <laughs> but, but not this time. But not time. in the bracket. <laughs> not in the bracket. <laughs> um, we have a back to back. Actually, we have another Uncharted game, Uncharted Lost Legacy, uh, versus Marvel Spider Man. And this is this is probably the the closest matchup we we have in the second round so far. I mean, I guess we're only a little bit into it, but I. I think it has to be Spider Man here. You know. Yeah, I I think this would have been a lot more interesting if it was a full Uncharted game up against Spider-Man mm-hmm, versus mm-hmm. kind of like, it's not a DLC, but it's a, no, it's, it's it's a, a smaller, smaller experience, yeah. experience. I mean, like like I said before when we were talking about it, a lot of people say Lost Legacy is their favorite Uncharted, but right. it's not a mainline game. Like uh, As far as the, the general video game fan, they're going to know the mainline games. Like mm-hmm. Spider-Man is such an iconic character, even outside of PlayStation. I think there's really no debate at the end of the day that it's got to be Spider-Man. I, yeah, I think I'll give it to Spider-Man. Uh, so let's go with that. We will move along next to this. Should be interesting. Neo versus Street Fighter Five. Now this is this is where I think um, I'm I'm gonna have to employ my ability to disassociate myself uh, for which game I would like to yeah, win. Yeah, and we're we're trying to be unbiased, right? Exactly, and and obviously it's impossible for your bias not to play into it. Part of the part of the. Um, of the criteria here is which game we think is the best. And it's impossible to think about that without being biased, right? Right. That's going to play into it. But um, we're doing our best to to kind of do this objectively as well. And for that reason, I'm going to give it to Street Fighter for much of the same argument I gave for it in the previous round. I think having that pro scene is is so totally. huge and while I think Neo is a phenomenal game and I'm, I'm glad I was able to squeak it through a round, um, it it just doesn't it doesn't have as much going for itself as being a unique yeah having having the premier experience. fighting game mm-hmm. exclusive to your console it's too too powerful for neo i think yeah i think um, so neo him neo himself is quite powerful <laughs> but he is hell? not this powerful <laughs> not as, as powerful as ryu and ken he cannot be ryu and ken no uh, one well definitely not two on him. one come on be don't no. be ridiculous uh, let's finish off the square bracket here. We have Detroit Become Human versus Bloodborne. And to me, both great games. I like them both, but I'm, I'm a big Bloodborne fan. You're an even oh, bigger Bloodborne fan. I'm glad I didn't have to argue uh, this. No, you don't. This you is know. one I have trouble removing my my bias from as much as I, as much, I'm going to flip flop so much back and forth as yeah. much as I like to tote. I'm, I'm being objective. It's gotta be Bloodborne. I know, I know you're the Bloodborne person, but like, I love Bloodborne too. It's one of my favorites on PS4. I think it's yeah. it's easily my top and five. And you know what? Like, While Neo, I think, is really great and stands out, I think Bloodborne stands out even more in the genre than mm-hmm, Neo does. Mm-hmm. Like Bloodborne is is such its own unique beast, even just in terms of like setting and yeah, the atmosphere, the atmosphere, and even just the the big tonal shift halfway through the game that 
yeah. somehow managed to not get spoiled for most people. It's oh, it's just an absolute masterpiece. Yeah, it's got to be. It's, it's Bloodborne. Uh, let's move along then. We're going to the cross bracket next. I, I keep trying to say X, but, you know, I got it right every time, I think. I, I hope. think so. Um, we've got a yeah. big matchup here. Persona 5 versus Infamous Second Son. Uh, this is one of those i got to remove our bias. Again, we're both, yes. as, we, as everyone knows, big Persona fans. Um, I still think Persona wins this matchup i um i agree i i think persona wins just outright as a game but i think it also wins in terms of influence like the persona franchise is so massive but five was really the one that brought it to a larger audience i mean i mean four golden was really loved but i think the vita was just such a niche platform that persona five really really was that one yeah exactly and infamous is i don't think at this point as important to is as big of a property as Persona. Exactly. I think there will, there might be, I mean, like you said, Sucker Punch has moved on. There might be another infamous game coming out for PlayStation. The next PlayStation. It's a a good enough franchise. I'm sure they'll get back to it at some point. Exactly. It might come out, but I don't think it's going to be anywhere near as big as when they drop Persona 6. No, I mean, Persona, Persona 5 is, I mean, they just got the Royal, like everyone, Mm -hmm. you know, it's obviously sold well enough to get a game like that. So let's give it to Persona. Uh, and move along here. We got Concrete Genie versus Killzone Shadowfall and what might be one of the quote-unquote weakest brackets going here. I am tempted to stick with my pick of Killzone and 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 stick to that. Hmm. I think Concrete Genie is, like I said, it's a great art piece. It's unique. It's out of the box. It is very, it stands alone on its own merits, I guess. But, but I think I still stick by having, um, you know, separated at least one genre one game from each genre or like each major genre exclusive to your platform mm. and for the same reason persona 5 is the one jrpg style game that playstation has exclusive killzone i think is their best shooter okay i, I think you swayed me i i am slightly leaning towards concrete genie just because i'm i'm so caught up in how interesting it is but yeah. i think you're right in the sense that that come that came out as like sort of more of like an interesting novelty experience versus Killzone being like yeah a representation of the of a genre as well as yeah. it, it kind of encompasses a little bit more than just itself yeah it's so, it's a game sure but it's also like you know it's a historical PlayStation franchise yeah. which has a bit more clout compared to Concrete Genie is a is a single game yeah i, I think that's fair i point. i will i will agree with you and we'll move on cool okay uh I think we're pretty balanced in terms of like give and take so. here. This has been good. So. This has been good. Um, we got Tetris next up. Sorry, Tetris Effect versus Nino Kuni Two. This I think to me is is the weakest kind. I, of I would agree. Bra- you know, it's funny when bracket. I said the last one was was a little bit weak. I actually looked down to this one coming up next, and I was like, "Oh, should have saved like, that one." Uh, <laughs> so that's I, how you know we do these nice and live and fresh <laughs> exactly, for you guys. Exactly. Um, this one, yeah, it's pretty underwhelming. I yeah. I'm personally, I feel like. Tetris Effect is probably a better game in terms of like what that audience is looking for. Like I feel like the Tetris crowd is more pleased with Tetris Effect than like the RPG crowd is pleased with Nino Kuni 2. Right. But but at the same time I feel like Nino Kuni is is almost has to be the winner here just because Tetris is on Xbox. Yeah. And, I, and it's not exclusive anymore. I wish that this was the first Nino Kuni because I'd feel better about rewarding that but i i agree and i think there's just a lot going on like the presentation of nino kuni 2 is just as good as one it's still got the studio ghibli art it's still got you know the amazing orchestral score 
And I, I think it just, it has a little bit more to offer than Tetris Effect, which like you said, mm-hmm. is on so many other platforms. Yeah. And I just can't bring, I mean, it's, it's going into like the third round. I, I, I think every game moving forward here has to be like pretty much, if it's if it's not PlayStation exclusive, it can only be on like PC. It can't be on Xbox. Like you can't yeah. push that forward any further, I don't think. I agree. I think we'll, we'll give it to Nino Kuni too. Yeah. Uh, and to round out the, the cross bracket, we have the Orcs Must Die versus Shadow of Colossus. Um, in what is probably one of the easier choices here, um, Shadow of Colossus is just a, you want to talk about, you know, artistic games like Concrete Genie, Shadow of Colossus mm-hmm. is in its own right extremely artistic and like beloved, and yeah. I don't think there's really an argument for Orcs Must Die. Yeah, as, I as think... As cool and innovative as that game kind of is in its yeah, own right. Yeah, I, I think that one kind of kind of got a little lucky and the, the luck runs out. <laughs> Your luck runs out at some point. <laughs> Um, all right, let's finish up round two with a circle bracket, starting uh, at the top with Last of Us Part Two versus Blood and Truth. There is an argument to be made that The Last of Us Two is a little bit more like some people really didn't like it compared to the first one with the story and whatnot. And I could hear that argument. I don't know, like you've not played it, so I don't. Yeah. I don't think you really had that opinion of it anyway. Um, Blood and Truth, I think it. Well, it's probably along with Astrobot one of the best PlayStation VR experiences. I don't think it holds a candle to what is maybe the best technical achievement on PlayStation. Yes, I, I think so. And, and while Last of Us 2 is controversial, it's controversial for reasons that just show how big of a game it is, right? Like, you don't yeah. generate that much discussion if it's something that doesn't matter right that yeah, much right exactly. like this this game matters so much to so many different people and i think i w- i want to promote it because i i see so much value in the game but also it took some really big risks it has some very controversial issues in it from what i've been reading yeah. without trying to spoil too much and i i love that it's so story driven and so focused yeah yeah you know like, i know what you mean eh. Let's move along. Um, we've got Gran Turismo Sport versus Infamous First Light. And this is this is tough. I, I I wish I had more of an opinion on Gran Turismo aside from like just knowing it as that PlayStation racing game because that's yeah. what it is. I, I think that's the problem with, with just racing games in general, right? Like they're so niche. Even you're either a racing game fan or you're not. Like, you know, there's some crossover with like more arcadey ones where you know, yeah, casual like a people burnout style in. game or something, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like everyone's played some Mario Kart in their life and, and whatever, but you're either into Gran Turismo or you're not interested in it. Right, but I mean, that's that's our personal, like we're setting bias aside, like you said. Yes, so exactly. we got to look at it from that way. So, like I guess it comes down to like which franchise maybe do we think is more yeah, popular or I, more important. I still, I want to give it to Gran Turismo for the same argument you made for, um, for Killzone for being yeah. like the representation of that genre. It's PlayStation's big exclusive racing game and it even has a direct competitor on Xbox, which... I don't necessarily want to, you know, like it has to be a war between the no, two. No, it's not. But it is, it is a direct comparison that to another exclusive franchise that does get brought up. Yeah, and I, and I mean also just to say like Sucker Punch is already, I mean Ghost of Tsushima I think is, is surpassed any of the infamous games in terms mm-hmm. of like its reception and, and whatnot. So for the most part at least, maybe I'm speaking a bit out of turn, but I think that... That, that kind of supersedes Infamous in a different way as well. Right. They've still got representation here in the bracket. Yeah. We can feel a little bit, you know, we can give them at least a pat on the back and say, well... Yeah, you're still in there. You still, still got a there. horse in the race. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, let's give it to Gran Turismo Sport and move along to a matchup between Res Infinite and Yakuza 6 Song of Life. Again, 
I like Yakuza. I think it's a good series. I don't think it does any one thing particularly perfectly, but it's it's got an amazing sense of humor. I always appreciate like the writing and the ridiculous juxtaposition between like mm-hmm. stupid humor and like ridiculous antics versus like the brutal violence of Yakuza gangs and like, you know, drugs and guns and all that kind of stuff. So I really like Yakuza. Um, Res Infinite to me is one of those ones that won the first round because of its matchup. And that's, that's my opinion. Yeah, I think that seems fair. I think Res, you know, if we were doing it based just solely off of like what game is more interesting, maybe Res has its own, maybe it's got its own niche carved out a little bit more than Yakuza, but Yakuza, I mean, this is Yakuza 6. It's a big franchise. Yeah. I think that's the winner. Can't wait for Like a Dragon. Hell yeah. Yeah, Can't it looks wait. good. Um, next up, last to finish off. Actually, this is the last matchup of round two. We have mm-hmm. Death Stranding versus Astrobot Rescue Mission. Now, who? This one's this is interesting to one. me because at first it seems clear but actually there's a lot to consider because astrobot is actually i would argue more noteworthy than it originally seems yep i think it is kind of like something especially too with with all like the how much it's been integrated into showing off the ps5 like it seems like they're kind of like this is going to be a new mascot almost well, I think, I think it's kind of trending that way. It seems almost like he, Astrobot unintentionally has become a bit of a mascot, even more maybe than Sony was planning. Like he's like VR playroom, whatever was like very much a tech demo. Mm-hmm. Astrobot's rescue mission is, is like a platformer in VR. And I, and I mean, it looks great. And, and I think maybe even Sony themselves weren't anticipating the reception that it got. Yeah. And, and now maybe they've, they've stumbled in their way into like a new, not like a, list franchise character but like definitely one that's recognizable and they're obviously using going forward with astro's playroom on ps5 and whatnot i think so and even the game itself just outside of it being astrobot is interesting to me like i I, a lot of the vr games we've looked at so far have been a lot of shooters and just some kind of like off-brand like more like laid back not very intensive gameplay like golf but this is a platformer and I would recommend if you haven't seen gameplay for this to, to go find some on YouTube and watch it. It's it's really weird to have it still control like a regular platform off of a off of the regular controller. Yeah. But then you look around at your environment. Uh, you look around at your environment through the headset. Yeah, like literally in, in 360 like, view. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You literally look around. So like at some points you have to like fully turn your head to look where you're going to jump next to platform. Yeah. And And you're looking around for collectibles and and whatever kind of around corners. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, it's so weird and so unique from a lot of the other VR games I've seen, which like the VR is almost more integrated to like, you look around, but you, you don't really have tons of movement options because you're using the VR controllers and like you're kind of actually limited in where you're able to go. A lot of the VR games I think are like, if they weren't in VR, they'd just be like boring, bland games. But where Astrobot actually looks like, even if it wasn't in VR, it would be like a decent platformer, action platformer kind of game. Yeah, right? exactly. But then in the in the same at the same time, it looks like the VR integrates really nicely and enhances or creates a different experience. So like, I think it's it's really got something kind of special going for it. Yeah. But I, then Death Stranding is such a it's such a strong pick in its own right yeah i would i would probably be on the, of the mind where i would argue for astrobot myself okay I'll, I'll tell you why it's just because astrobot to me is is a game where it's never going to go anywhere but playstation and 
Uh, we know that for sure. And it's, like you said, it's becoming a, almost a mascot for the system, even if it's not got like the best, most expensive games. Like I think people, especially because of like the PlayStation showcases and everything, like they're they're seeing that character in like the prime time of, of PlayStation, right? And PlayStation doesn't really have a like one of those mascot platformer kind of characters like Crash used to be or Spyro used to be or mm-hmm. Mario is or Sonic used to be, you know, an Astrobot kind of is crafting a little bit of a niche as that type of character. Whereas Death Stranding is like a lot of that game, like we said in the first round was a lot of the reason that game had like the reception that it did, whether you liked it or didn't was because of like the mystery surrounding what is it and like Hideo Kojima's name and whatever. But there's no guarantee that he's going to make games exclusively for PlayStation going forward, like Death Stranding's on PC. And I think like the little bit of uncertainty around that, like the way that the game was marketed was really like lightning in a bottle type deal. Whereas like, Mm -hmm. there's no guarantee that'll be recreated again. Whereas Astrobot, I think is maybe a bit safer of like a property, but I think all in all, like it may end up being a better PlayStation brand. Right. Yeah. I kind of, I I like this matchup a lot because at face value, immediate gut reaction is it seems like Death Stranding is a clear victor, but with having a second to kind of think about it and, and sort of look at Astrobot from a from a different light and to give it that room to participate in the contest. I think I'm inclined to agree and say that Astrobot has sort of won me over a little bit. I like it, yeah. And and I like having a sort of a sleeper pick yeah, kind of he propelled really is like a to dark the next horse, round. right? But and maybe help a little bit by some matchups here. But I, I really think Astrobot is is the choice. Yeah. I, I am I am excited, not just not just um happy to put it through, but excited to see where Astrobot can go and flourish. So yeah. Let's, Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we are down to the top four games left in each bracket. This is getting tough now, I think. There's not too many, like, duds left. If yeah. Any, really. Um, so, geez, this is going to be tough. All right. We got Ratchet & Clank versus God of War for uh, the first of two matchups in the Triangle Zone. Um, look, I love Ratchet & Clank. I've made that clear on the show. But God of War is... Aside from maybe like it's arguably my favorite game I've ever played like at this point. Mm -hmm. And that's, of course, only one side of the argument, which is the best game. But I also think God of War is probably at this time a more important franchise for PlayStation also. I I think there was an argument to make for Ratchet being a more important franchise in the past. But God of War is now, you know, they've they've got so many games across so many PlayStation systems right now with this new one being like the king of all of well, them. Well, yeah, like Sony Santa Monica just blew everyone away with God of War in 2018. And and it's really like almost reset how a lot of those type of, you know, action narrative focused games have, have been made since it, right? I'm sure like mm-hmm. coming forward in the next few years, we'll see a lot of games that take a lot of influence from it. And like, there's a good reason why, right? I so, think so. I think, yeah, Ratchet and Clank are great, but Kratos is king. Kratos is king, baby. Um, next up, we got Ghost of Tsushima versus Dreams. Who boy. <sighs> This, oh boy. Okay. This one is this one I think is my my most difficult. So, pick. here's the thing. The the problem with this matchup, Kate, is that Dreams is on this list based on its potential of what it could be as like a platform for creators on right. PlayStation. And it's it's hard to define as a, to compare up against a single game as well. Right. Cuz cuz Ghost of Tsushima is like you know, it's, it has its flaws. It's not a perfect game. Like, the stealth could be better. Yes. The say what you want, maybe it's got an open world that people might find too big in certain ways or whatever. But a lot of people on the same token like really like that. And overall, mm-hmm. I think it's had an amazing reception. 
way more often than not you hear good things about ghosts and i mean you've really enjoyed it i can't wait to try it Mm -hmm. it's beautiful but but dreams is also like this it's kind of like one of those it's like along with astrobot i feel is like a really strong underdog contender and i i think my my biggest struggle i have with with dreams in in this is just the context of you know the competition what it's coming up against like it's coming up against a lot i feel like it doesn't fit as nicely into the category as everything else does because yeah. it, it's more of a platform and a tool than you than know a like itself. a game itself yeah. and and so i think because of that I have, I have a difficult time kind of quantifying where it how it compares to to games yeah and at the end of the day like it's dreams is is probably the most powerful like game creation tool that that we've seen like outside of maybe some intense pc suites that we have no idea um you know <laughs> yeah, exist right? that's, just not for us right but but i think like at this stage of the bracket dreams has really proven itself to obviously have a lot of potential but i would argue for ghost in oh. si- simply because i'm so relieved right now <laughs> yeah it, i think it's just because when you get this far you're talking about like what's the best game on playstation like what's the most important for them like it's not games that other people are making using their creation tools it's the games they're making for us yeah, I, and I think that's what Ghost is, obviously, over Dreams. Right. I, I really like that argument, and I'm I'm glad that you have that opinion because I, you know, it's hard for me to. I, I obviously biasly want to see Ghost do well, um, but I agree. I think I'm really glad Dreams is here, and it, you know, it's something that we're able to talk about. But I would feel a little bit disingenuous about Dreams winning it because I I feel like it's yeah. sort of it's sort of snuck in the contest as, as something that's like we need to mention and is worth bringing up, but doesn't really a hundred percent fully fit the criteria. Like I feel like, you know, it's, it's the guy who, who's like smurfing on another account and he's like, (laughs) obviously like he doesn't really belong in the criteria, but he's made some loophole to fit in. (laughs) The thing is with dreams, like I said, it's got a lot of potential and depending what they do with it going forward, like how they utilize that, it could be like, extremely important for them but that's all this too hypothetical for this exact mm-hmm. kind of bracket okay i think well so we'll give it to to, give ghost it to ghost. Sushima, then. and we will move along to the square bracket where we have the first matchup between uncharted 4 and marvel's spider-man another juggernaut matchup yeah um, this is a tough this a is tough, tough one too and w- w- what are your thoughts i i think i'm leaning towards uncharted 4 and i think part of that i is I think what it comes down to is we. It's ter- as far as they are in terms of them just being their own games, it's going to come down to a preference. They're both phenomenal games. They're both incredibly polished, um, like master class at, at the genre and what they set out to do. And I think it's going to come down what kind of game do you prefer. I think I'm going to slightly go towards Uncharted just because it's the fourth game in a long legacy of a very strong playstation franchise whereas spider-man i think it's on its way to becoming that but it is the first game in its kind of rebooted series i know we've had a lot of spider-man games in the past but well this is the exclusive like this is this is different than those other yeah, ones yeah exactly this is like this is insomniac you know this is their first step and it's amazing and we've got another one coming for playstation 5 and i think it's great but i think uncharted is a more recognizable franchise at this point I I am going to contest you on this uh, one, and interesting. I think I think Uncharted, in a lot of ways, like I I like Uncharted, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm I definitely fall into the camp where I think The Last of Us is is Naughty Dog's superior 
franchise compared right. to Uncharted. I think Uncharted is a little bit overhyped in general, mm-hmm. to be honest. And I've played all, except from Lost Legacy, I've played all four mainline games and and they're really good, but I don't, I don't even think Uncharted 4 is my favorite Uncharted game, to be honest. Uh, I think Uncharted I think actually 2, two is the best one. Yeah. And Uncharted 4, it was a really, really great wrap-up to like that, what do you call it, four-game trilogy, I don't know. A four-game tri- quad, quad, quadrilogy, quadrilogy, I don't know, is that a thing? <laughs> Whatever it is. And I think it was a really good wrap-up to that story and how it ended was, was really nice and it put a nice bow on that. But I think if we're talking about which game is the best, like I've played both of these, enjoyed them a lot, but... Spider-Man has maybe the greatest movement in a game that I've felt. Mm-hmm. Like the the way you just traverse that city and the fluid movements right. and the flips. It and really the feels like you're Spider-Man. <laughs> it does, man. It 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 is great. And and I think not only is it a better game than Uncharted 4, maybe that's just my personal taste, but also it has the story is just as good as Uncharted, maybe better, depending on like if you like the comic book style story um mm-hmm. kind of beats, you know. And and not just that, but also Spider-Man, I think, is more important to PlayStation going forward. Like, The Last of Us is is really Naughty Dog's focus at this point, I would imagine. And where does that leave Uncharted? Are we going to see another Uncharted for this generation, or are they taking it off? Are, are they just going to get, you know, a new franchise for Naughty Dog? Are they, or are they going to do some Uncharted spinoffs? Well, we don't know. But what we do know is that they've got Spider-Man Miles Morales coming mm-hmm. up because of the success of this game. And they're working on the sequel as well. Spider-Man like the full full-blown Spider-Man sequel and I think Spider-Man was also like the the best-selling um not new it's not a new IP because it's Spider-Man but it was one of the best-selling games on on PlayStation 4 I know Uncharted was as well but but Spider-Man to me is a similar argument also to Street Fighter 5 in terms of like hey look at how good PlayStation is for having the top fighting game exclusive to their console well guess what PlayStation also has the number one most popular Marvel superhero exclusive to their console that's that's huge and I, I don't think that, that Uncharted 4 has that same kind of clout. Okay, that that's fair. And you know what? I, I'm still not 100% convinced, but I think I will say something that will further convince me <laughs> that Spider-Man <laughs> will do it. And I, I think it's, it's to expand our view further and just think of how big Marvel is in general mm. right now, like with all the like Endgame and like all the massive movies and it just being such a... A huge yeah, the thing. Marvel's Avengers coming out Mar- later this year. Yeah, exactly. Like Marvel right now is so hot and it has been for a long time too. Like it's not like it's some like novelty thing that's just going to die off. Like Marvel's been just absolutely destroying for such a long time now. And to have arguably one of their biggest characters have their games exclusive on PlayStation and to be done at a really high quality, not just like we're making a movie spinoff game mm-hmm. is is really big the only thing that kind of puts me down is is i there's something about spider-man and i i think if i had the game in my hand and was playing it i would be having a blast because the movement looks amazing i love how the swinging looks like when you get up when you you get up to a building and you run along the wall like it's something else it's something else it's incredible but the rest of the game just doesn't really stand out to me like i'll I'll give you that the combat sometimes the combat it's kind of got that arkham sort of like you know, like serviceable, but not exciting. It's, it's better than those. I think it's one of those, if you play it, it's better than the Arkham stuff. Yeah. But I do agree it's a bit repetitive. But Uncharted, you could also say the same thing about... It was just a cover-based shooter, a, so... Exactly, right? I and, think that's fair. I I think, while I, I went into it with Uncharted in mind, I, I think I will 
will agree to, to be swayed and say that, that maybe Spider-Man's got it. I just think Spider-Man has that that lightning right now, you know, that electricity, mm-hmm. that Uncharted. Uncharted's kind of has, has crescendoed and has, and has met its end for now. Right. Um, where and Spider-Man is just taking off. Exactly. And we'll take into consideration that this is PS4 games, not true, franchises true. in general. So sure, Spider-Man's the, the there one. There we go. There we go. Uh, let's move along. We got Street Fighter V versus Bloodborne. Um, two games that can be argued very strongly for in their own right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've already argued for both of them here. I think we've we've talked a lot about Street Fighter V kind of on this podcast here, like going forward, because it had to fight a little bit more than Bloodborne, I think, for I think it, so. to get here. So let's talk about Bloodborne for a second and how, first of all, it's so cool that PlayStation has, like Dark Souls is is such a successful fran- franchise yes. and people like really, it's, it's really like in that whole like zeitgeist of video games the last maybe three, four, five years yes. as far as like, difficulty and all those kind of arguments but the fact that it, it spawned its own genre exactly right, right? Like, and and sony has an exclusive game from the same creators on, the, mm-hmm. on their console that's that's impressive exactly like i i have to give it for bloodborne there are so many people i've read online who have bought a playstation 4 specifically to play bloodborne mm-hmm. and I think that alone is such a strong argument that it's such a captivating game and it it sold the console in a lot of ways too, right? Yeah. Like this game came out in 2015. It's an older um, game in terms of like a lot of these other ones we're looking at. And I think it's still just as strong as a combatant. It hasn't aged much or or been dated aside from the hor- horrific load times, which we won't get yeah. into. <laughs> it does have um, some shit load times. But I, I think as much as I praise Street Fighter V, I'm going to try to you know throw it under the bus a little bit now. It is on other consoles. Or like yeah, you it's, said. On, it's on oh, sorry, PC. Sorry, it's on, it's on PC. Um, it's not, you know, it, it's doing a lot in terms of the pro scene, but it's not exclusive to PlayStation. And I think it's... I, I think more people bought their console with Bloodborne in mind than they did with Street Fighter. I, I completely agree with you. And I think that Street Fighter, like, Street Fighter made it further than I thought it was going to go on this list, personally. And, uh, you know, being exclusive to PlayStation is, is like we said, very impressive. But at the end of the day, just because PlayStation has the money to pay for that, it's not maybe you could argue as important as, like, the game itself. And, like, mm-hmm. Bloodborne is so intrinsically, like, a PlayStation associated game where yes. street fighter like i think a lot of people would be like oh i don't get that on xbox what the hell like yeah they wouldn't they wouldn't associate it the same way and so for that reason i think i'm, I'm in agreement about bloodborne with you okay as, especially since i also <sighs> like really love yes, Bloodborne. it as is well. near and dear to both of our hearts it is um so let's move along to the cross section we've got halfway through the third round here we've got persona vibe versus kill zone and i've been the kill zone apologist here for this entire uh show so far and my argument is about to to die right here. Oh, you're going to stab Killzone right in the well, back? because <laughs> here's the thing, Kate. I've been saying, like, well, you need the exclusive shooter. Yeah. Um, I'm telling you right now, there's two RPGs left on this list, Persona 5 and Nino Kuni. And Nino Kuni is not going to beat Shadow of Colossus <laughs> in the next matchup. So, I mean, Persona 5 my, is my favorite game of all time, like, personally. Mm-hmm. And that is also, like, an amazing RPG for, yes. for everyone that's a fan of that genre. And it's Persona 5 is a much better RPG than Killzone is a is a shooter. I think so. And it, also Killzone is from 2013. It's still, for as much as I want it to come back as a shooter franchise, like it hasn't done so. Right. It hasn't um, yet. It might, it might not. It might not, right? Persona 5 like is 
is a juggernaut in the space that is trying to, you know, pursue within the industry and and it has to win this matchup. I'm sure you agree. I I have absolutely no qualms. I think we've got that. I think we've also done the next round. Um so yeah. Shadow of the yes. Colossus, congratulations. Yeah, Nino Cooney, <laughs> uh, honestly, you have no business being in this far, I don't think. Um yeah. matchup beneficiary and there you go. Yeah, but, that's right. You, know, you you won the prize, you get to go home with the toaster or whatever <laughs> whatever the draw was for. There you go. But you're not winning yeah. tonight. Yeah. Good showing though. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Um let's let's finish off the circle bracket here. We have two matchups left in the third round. Uh the first one here, The Last of Us Part Two versus Gran Turismo Sport. Well <laughs> <laughs> we we've we've done a good showing for Gran Turismo. Yeah. But I mean you can't just put it through because it happens yeah. to be lucky that there's no other racing games. Exactly right, and to a certain point, I think that's a good argument. When you get down to the last, you know, few games like we're getting down to now, like it's it's just got to be based on quality. Yeah. And The Last of Us is it blows it out of the water. I think yeah. no argument there. So let's move along yeah, uh, to our final matchup of the third round, which is Yakuza Six versus Astrobot Rescue Mission. In what is probably a very these games couldn't couldn't almost couldn't be more different yes absolutely this was not a matchup i anticipated seeing when i initially looked at this bracket Mm -hmm. and i think we've we've really given some good arguments for both of them so far but i'm on the astrobot hype train i want to see how far astrobot can go (laughs) me too man me too i'm on the astrobot train not only that but i'd like to change my answer from best animal companion to (laughs) astrobot like we're basically just becoming the biggest astrobot fans in the world here i i just i think astrobot just has this this charm and and it's i think so it captured something talking it through like this i'm really of that opinion and yakuza it's a great franchise but i think it's just not not quite the same as astrobot at this point especially since i I think Yakuza is like A tier, it's not S tier. And when you get down to the final eight or whatever we're running into, you yeah, just that's... you just can't compete if you're only A tier. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people would argue Astrobot is not an A tier <laughs> property either, but here we are. <laughs> no, uh... Astrobot is king, <laughs> all aboard. This is where if we were a video show, we'd all of a sudden just be wearing Astrobot yeah, shirts. Right. We would like perform a costume change. <laughs> that's in the right. Yeah, well, it's, it's Astrobot, right? It's got to be. That's right. I think. Oh God. Okay. So we are officially into the top eight. So I'm just going to do a quick recap here for those of you following along at home, since I'm sure this is a bit difficult to follow along with at times. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have the final eight left is as follows. We have God of War versus Ghost of Tsushima, Spider-Man versus Bloodborne, Persona 5 versus Shadow of Colossus, and The Last of Us 2 versus Astrobot Rescue Mission. Um, so let's start at the top here. Um, and I, I motion to, to say if we're stuck on one of these arguments, maybe we could skip it and come back after figuring out the rest. At this point, I don't think we're stuck to doing bracket by bracket. There's only right. eight games left. There's eight games. So maybe let's, is there one of these that maybe is an obvious choice to you that you um, think we could yeah, bump out of the way? I think P5 and Shadow of the Colossus is, is probably the easiest bracket for me to decide. And I'm going to give it to P5. I think Shadow of the Colossus is phenomenal but it is a remaster as well which i think is is something to take into consideration and i think that you know while it wasn't hindering it before gets thought about now whereas persona 5 is this big crowning yeah and, game. and you could also make the an argument too that persona 5 isn't even the best version of persona like the royal technically persona 5 royal could be replacing it on here on this list yeah it's and, not but but 
it, that's an argument to make for that in, as, in the same way that Shadow of Colossus is a remake. A re- right. You know, so I love Shadow of Colossus. I think it was a very enjoyable game. I think there's an argument to be made that it is a bit overrated, I think. In, not Let's that see. it's bad, but in the terms of It's a of bit like, of a cult classic. It's, it's one of those yeah. games where it's like, it's almost like you can't say anything bad about it because people will just get on your case whether they've even played it or not. It's just one mm-hmm. of those like untouchable, like held on a pedestal franchise. And for a good reason, it's a great game. Mm-hmm. But but at some point, I think you have to, it is a PlayStation 2 game. Like it is, yes. you know, it's not that it's dated, but it's, it's. I think it's had its time in the light. Yes. And I, I think there's some con- modern conveniences that aren't in the game that, maybe would have been had it come out at the same time as p5 but unfortunately it just didn't maybe so and i mean like i said it's a quality game and i don't think that i mean you can't go wrong with these two options i think Mm -hmm. it's we're trying not to be biased like we said but i legitimately think persona 5 is just a masterpiece i think so in in rpgs so i'm I'm glad we've got that i would like to motion that we um our ticket has expired on the astrobot hype train also (laughs) Um, we just boarded. You know, we just boarded it. We've, we wrote yeah. it for a while here. but And as much as I want Astrobot to succeed, I think PlayStation, if it's got a flaw, they've got a flaw as a company. It's that a lot of their games are are heavily, heavily rooted in story. And they're not like, you look at Nintendo and, and they've got all these lighthearted games. And even Xbox has like Bound and Sea of Thieves and these more brighter colored, you know, a little bit more lighthearted E for everyone type of experiences. And Astrobot, mm-hmm. so much is that among the rest of these games that are the majority like you know rated m for mature and i i think astrobot fits that niche really nicely it can be like that fun family platformer but at the same time i think naughty dog is is you know sony's arguably premier studio and the last of us part two is like a technical achievement it looks amazing the ai is smart the the story is a continuation of one of the best stories in gaming like i just don't see how astrobot can can match up with that I think that's fair. I think a lot of what makes Astrobot interesting and innovative in its that it's a VR game, um, because obviously if it was not, we wouldn't be giving it as much consideration if it was just a platformer. Um, but as well, I, I think VR still has a long way to go. I think it's it's not something that you know the average gamer is going to be experiencing. It's it still kind of hasn't broken out of that novelty. Mm-hmm. barrier yet where it's it's becoming like a, a normal household thing to have and it still has a lot of, of growth so um, maybe astrobot rescue mission six is gonna be the best <laughs> game ever made you never know but challenging mario I, odyssey I, I, but i agree that I, I think last of us Two is it's just it can't it can't compete okay so we're in agreement there we're um, in agreement there what so we've got the the you know, one half of the bracket is done here. Now we've got God of War versus Ghost of Tsushima, and Spider Man versus Bloodborne. Now, I I, I know what's easier for me. This, I don't know what's going to be easier for you. Okay, well, let's see here. Uh, for me, let's just let's just do this one at the top here. Okay. God of War versus Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, this this one. this one. Now I've not played Ghost. Mm-hmm. You've I but I played the com- to completion God of War. I think that while they're both incredible franchises, or not franchises, I guess Ghost of Tsushima is new. Well, they're both mm-hmm. incredible games and they've been well-received and they're both beautiful. And you could argue Ghost is actually more beautiful than God of War with its mm-hmm. um, environments and everything. But I think Ghosts is a more flawed experience than God of War. And when you were explaining the game, like 
you said it yourself that the the stealth stuff is is really half baked compared to the action. Yeah. And and for a game that promises both action and stealth, um, and and maybe the stealth is only mediocre. I have to think the God of War to me is I, what is a flaw with it? You know, yeah. like what is the thing that's missing? Like maybe it could go further in some of its mechanics. Maybe it could expand. But what it's what it's built and what it's centered around is is not flawed. Yeah, this is the hardest one. This is the only out of all the matchups we're looking at. This I guess maybe Persona and Shadow, but this is the one I saw coming from the beginning and I've been scratching my head over this one for for all the days leading up to this and I still don't even know what I want to pick mm-hmm. because for me God of War and it, and I haven't finished either of the games so my opinion might change but where I'm at right now kind of playing both of them simultaneously God of War is consistently better than Ghost of Tsushima it is always at a level that I think is extremely high quality. Ghost of Tsushima, on the other hand, surpasses God of War in many ways, but it also falls flat in some areas. Mm -hmm. And I think as much as I want to give it to Ghost of Tsushima, because the way that I'm playing it and the way I feel like the game was intended to be experienced, I would pick it over God of War. It's going to be my game of the year. I'm absolutely enthralled by it but I'm largely just not participating in the parts of the game that I think drag it down a bit and that is not hindering my experience with the game but taking a step back and looking at it from the perspective of people who wanted to do the stealth route a bit more and find that to be the more interesting avenue that they would have liked to explore I think it, it brings the quality down to a point where I, it, it's hard to argue that it can beat God of War that's so consistently good. Yeah. So I, I think I would have liked to see this maybe be the final. I don't wow. want Ghost to have to drop right hey, now know, but, but 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 you know semi-final or no this isn't semi-final this is quarterfinals that's that's a pretty good spot yeah you know? that's that's how it goes I, I think I think if everyone played Ghost of Tsushima the way I'm playing it, it would win this contest. Yeah. But that's not the full representation of the game. It's not fair to view it exclusively through this narrow lens. So I think I'm going to have to agree that that God of War has it. There you go. There you go. And I'm happy about that. I love Kratos. I'm so happy for him. (laughs) Good. Look, let's sort this last one out, okay? This one is the pain for me. This Uh is my pain. Spider-Man versus Bloodborne. These are phenomenal games, okay? And in the interest of, I know we're running long on this episode. We're almost mm-hmm. two and a half hours in here. Um, look, I love Spider-Man. I think Spider-Man is a great game. I think it is flawed as well, similar to Ghost. I think when you're swinging through the city sometimes, the, the movement feels fantastic. But the problem is a lot of the like, oh, there's a crime happening. It can, it's like the same crime after you played for a while, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that's, if, were, if we were talking about Spider-Man 2 in three, four years, whenever it comes out, I think that maybe that would expand on this even more. But I think when I'm looking at the games as a totality, Bloodborne is such a tight experience. And mm-hmm. there's very little wasted energy and everything's so intentional. Whereas in Spider-Man, like it's, it is a tight experience and it is fun. The story is great. The movement's great. The combat 
that's where it kind of like it's a right. step down and not everything is as as deliberate not, as it is in not. Bloodborne and as much as I love the world of Spider-Man and I love the world of Marvel and the little hints and nods like you can go to Doctor Strange's uh, Sanctum Centorum inside of New York City and whatever like it's just when you look at the full package and you look at the the level of like detail and and love put in I think Bloodborne has that little extra edge and I and I know that's what you want yes and so <laughs> I'm going to um, because I also love Bloodborne as well. I'm going to, I'm going to give it to Bloodborne. Okay. Awesome. Uh, for well, this we, one. So we have our top four. We have the top four. It is God of War versus Bloodborne and the last of us part two versus Persona five. Right. I feel like while these are games that we would both be happy if any one of these won, I feel like that first half of the bracket God of War Bloodborne is my kryptonite and P5 and last of us is going to be your yes, kryptonite. It is. So, so let's talk about this now. We got, we got blood. Let's just do this one first. Bloodborne versus God of War. I think this has to be God of War. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Is because. Convince me. I'll tell you why. God of War is an experience you can only have on PlayStation. It is a PlayStation mascot since the PS2. Kratos is iconic. He is arguably right there with Nathan Drake and not even Crash anymore like though he is mm-hmm. he is a list yes. like PlayStation he could be character. argued for being the most he, iconic he could be and character. I know that's not really the criteria of this but we're getting down to like deciding between four like 10 out of 10 experiences in my opinion mm-hmm. and and Bloodborne is I, I love Bloodborne okay like I, I put so much time like I beat it I I'm not really great at those kind of games but I got through I, I put in my blood sweat and tears here but but like <laughs> Who is the hunter? Like he's not iconic. He is. He is a. It's a great world. I love the world of Bloodborne, but the world of God of War is just as cool. It's just. Yes. It's. It's different. It's different, right? And and Bloodborne, there is that level of like, of like Soulsborne jank, and there is and and <laughs> yes. and to be to be frank with it, like like Bloodborne is a great game. Like I've I've done I've not played the other Souls games, but I played Sekiro and I played other like I've watched a lot of FromSoft footage online mm-hmm. and whatnot and. And Bloodborne is, in my opinion, like my favorite of those games. But I, yes. but there's so many other FromSoft games that offer such a similar experience to like, oh, if, if I had an Xbox, like I could just, I guess I can't play Bloodborne, but I'll play the whole Dark Souls series and I'll play Sekiro. Right. And, and like, Elden you're not an Elden Ring and you're not really and... missing out a whole lot, but like Ghost of, God of War is just so, it's so exclusive and, and it just yeah. has that, that extra little tinge of something. Yeah, you know? I, I'm glad that you have a very good argument for God of War because it makes me feel better conceding Bloodborne. And I, I think you're right. I think Bloodborne is is hard to get over me because I have such a strong personal attachment to it and what it meant to me personally mm-hmm. uh, in and around the context of, you know, when I played it and how it opened me up to, to that genre of games. And I think Bloodborne is, is a phenomenal experience that I could... I recommend so highly and, and is, you know, it's, it's up there as my favorite game. I don't know if, if that yeah. will ever change yeah. things have maybe tied it, but I think God of War for the criteria that we're looking at is exactly. the choice. It, it could be different if FromSoft was like a PlayStation first party studio, for example, yes, but, but, but at this not. level of the argument, they're not. And, and to be honest with you, that's why I'm also going to say it should be the last of us part two over persona five is because mm. persona like, Persona 5 is by far my favorite game. Like I've, I've said it yeah. a million times. I've said it on this show already. I love Persona 5, but it's not a 
like P Studios is not owned by Sony. Like they different spin-off games come out in different places and like there's the rumors like is Persona 5 going to come to Switch? Uh, I know it's not happened. It's just rumors, but like right. you would never question is The Last of Us 2 going to come anywhere else? Yeah, exactly. And like even the latest big news like Persona 4 Golden, which was like the big Vita yeah. game. It's now Some on people PC like to Golden play, more right? than Persona 5 and it's on PC. Yeah. Like it just doesn't have as much as I love the game and I and it's my 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 game. It's, mm-hmm. it's, I don't think it's quite as wow. PlayStation centric. I love, I love how reflected <laughs> this has been. Like we have, we're having yeah. the exact same existential crisis for each half of it's the bracket. True. And, and like The Last of Us is for the same reason of God of War. Like I think Sony Santa Monica and Naughty Dog right now are like the two are the A-list, two like top dogs. And, and I think it's and almost poetic that they're, I believe, destined to meet here in the final. I think so. I think, I think that's our final. So amazing um props to bloodborne and persona 5 and i i think that they deserve to be where they are they do and they you know what they i'll I'll say they can co-win the bronze medal here too because they are amazing i think so but let's get down to it kate i guess who's it gonna be the winner here god of war versus the last of us 2 oh god see you're an advantage now because you have played both of them yeah whereas i have yet to to wet my toes in the last of us yeah. So, so as an outsider perspective on The Last of Us, like how, how strongly do you feel it could take on God of War here? You know what's really funny, and I, I don't want this to be have a negative representation on God of War, because I have basically nothing but good things to say about it. I've been a fan of the God of War franchise through every installment, aside from the um, spinoff PSP games. Oh, Chains of Olymp. This was it? I can't I remember so. which is which now here. But the main series games, I've played every single one of them. I've absolutely loved them. I, I love the world. I love the mythology that's been put into it. This new game, um, God of War 2018 with Kratos and Atreus is just such a, a touching story. The characters are amazing. Like I I'm so excited to be on vacation in like yeah. in less than a week and, and just be able to like play all day and I, I I want this game to be something that everybody gets to experience but I think I am leaning towards The Last of Us too because it's just so different than a lot of the other games like a lot of games that are like even Spider-Man and you know Ghost are more similar to God of War than they are to something like The Last of Us and I feel like The Last of Us took a little bit more risk then God sure. of War That's did. True. I think it stands out a bit more by taking that risk of being, you know, a bit more out there with its content, a little bit more controversial, you know, relying on that really intimate relationships between its characters more so than God of War did. And I don't know, though. I don't know Kratos about that. And Atreus? Because, because Kratos and Atreus is... Like Kratos' whole story shifted with Atreus coming in, like about being family centric and looking after after someone and having that caring side. Yeah, and, and I I like that. I like how they reimagined him and given him a softer side and more depth. But I I think as a character, he's still a little bit more one dimensional, a little bit less. Like you're less. I feel like you're less likely to relate to Kratos than you would be to one of the characters yeah. in The Last of Us. I could be wrong, not having played it yet, but. That's the impression that I get that it's a, even that extra step of being an intimate game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I feel like it just 
maybe it's polarizing and, and maybe it turns more people off than God of War, but I feel like it commits to itself a little bit more than God of War does that still wants to be an inviting action game for everyone, whereas Last of Us really does have its identity carved out for itself and it's going to stick to it no matter what. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, maybe maybe that argues for the exact same reason that argues God of War is the better one because it's more of an inclusive experience. But yeah. like The Last of Us just stands out as like, here's what our potential is. We can make these games that are bigger than just being a game. Right. And it's it's an experience that will last you're, you know, like with you forever. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's so hard. I still do not have my mind made up. Ugh. I think... I don't know. See, I, it's, it's a little tough, too, because God of War was is two years out now. Like, we've had a lot of time yes. to, to marinate and, and know what that game is. And 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 The Last of Us, like, we mm-hmm. only just finished... Like, I only just finished it last month or whenever it finished. So, and you're right. It is a lot more decisive. It takes a lot more risk. I'm just trying to envision a world like, okay, our criteria is what's the best game and what's the most important to Sony. Mm-hmm. You could argue which is the best depending which kind of gameplay you prefer, which kind yes. of world you like more. Like, are you a third-person action combat kind of person or are you want more of like the cover shooter stealth kind of sneaking around, a little bit more horror element? Mm-hmm. I think I think they're a wash in terms of story, to be honest with you. I think The Last of Us... The Last of Us is just a lot more grounded. Like, like Kratos' story is more fantasy. Yes. You know, where Last of Us could be hypothetically like a real world scenario. Right. The only argument I can think to differentiate them in my head is I'm just trying to envision like what is the reception for the next game in both of these franchises? Because I don't right. I don't think that you could make a convincing argument either way, which is better in terms of like which is the best game. Yeah, um, they're they're two dif- it's apples and oranges at this yeah, point. My my argument is this. and I think I'm slightly leaning towards God of War in the sense in the sense that. Whenever we, like, we know they're working on a sequel to God of War. It's not announced, but no. everyone fucking knows it. it. Like, it's, it's coming happening. out. And I wouldn't be surprised if it comes out, like, the second year of PlayStation 5, whatever it is. But but when that trailer, when you see God of War 2 show up, even if it's just the words, and you, mm-hmm. or you, you see the, 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 Leviathan, the Leviathan axe just come in, and you know, like, you're, you're like, fuck yeah, like, God of War 2. Like, mm-hmm. there's not a person on this planet that has played God of War that will not, that will not be excited for that sequel. And I think the that's the only differentiation is because The Last of Us Part Two had enough detractors to where I feel like there's going to be a little bit of turbulence coming in for Part Three or whenever they announce like the next game in that mm-hmm. series. And I think that the game that pleases the most PlayStation fans has to be the one that wins. Yeah. And and, and to I... me, like 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 where are the bad reviews for God of War? You yes, know, they like, don't exist. whereas for The Last of Us 2, I know a lot of it's like review bombing and people being like dipshits on the Internet and whatever. But but I can I can see an argument where The Last of Us 2 maybe is five hours too long. I can see where like there's a couple story beats where even I I love the game, but I'm like, well, I don't know if that motivation completely makes sense. Right. And maybe that's just nitpicking, of course. But at this point, that's what we're doing, you know, and and I just yeah. think like like when you're talking about what's more important to PlayStation at this time. I feel like it, the, the the argument is not which of these games is better. It's mm-hmm. which franchise will make the biggest splash with their next oh, game. Th- this is a spicy choice. And I, I agree with everything you, you said. I think what it comes down to is what is how you interpret 
the idea of it being important. I agree. The next God of War game that comes out is going to be like even more hype than than Astrobot. Like it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be huge. I'm going to, you know, jump out of my chair. I'm going to be so excited. And it, it is bigger. And I, I think the God of War franchise, if we're looking at it as a franchise, beats The Last of Us franchise for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. I think it just depends. See, I'm, as a franchise, I would say The Last of Us is better uh, because I think I think that some of the early God of War games right. were they were really good, but they weren't yeah, like they amazing, didn't, you know. That's fair. They weren't Game of the Year games, but I think what I'm thinking of is not I'm not looking at it in terms of like the next God of War, the next Last of Us. I'm looking at it in terms of like what other games are going to be inspired by these games mm. and and how it is going to promote game new games for the console and i think the the games that god of war is going to entice for insight for the future are going to be probably really good games and even the next god of war will be amazing but i i don't think they're going to kind of push the envelope as much as a developer right. yeah, yeah. who saw the success of The Last of Us 2 and and has an idea of like, well, maybe my my idea has a place now as well. And I think it kind of opens up the doors a little bit more for new experiences that have a, could have a place on PlayStation, whereas God of War is is an extremely high quality, but is is relatively safe it is safe and and you know the other, the other thing about god of war because i i mean i gotta be fair and argue both sides here a mm-hmm. little bit is god of war is very much like a video games video game like it tells a great story but but it's definitely like you know you collect health power-ups you collect yes. um you know there's those video game tropes that kind of exist you have and you, you do have your skill trees armor and points like, stuff like that like yeah. the last of us of course has upgrades and stuff but they're in terms of like ellie upgrades her gun or whatever like you could do that in real life and and one thing I think The Last of Us 2 is is unmatched, not only in PlayStation, but like all of video games to this point is like, I don't think there's ever been a game that's that's come out that's, that can be like analyzed like a work of literature or like yes. symbolism in a movie. Like, like you could do like a dissertation. I'm sure you could do that on a lot of games, but like mm-hmm. specifically this game, like it's it's almost it almost transcends like what stories in games can be and and melds itself with like like the best work of other genres of media. Right. You know, and exactly. I, I think yeah. you've, you've put into words exactly what my, the central like part of my argument is yes. towards that game is, is I think it, it will going forward. It will be more meaningful than. Right. Because it's, God it's almost Wars like, it's, it's almost like it's, it's put that new highest rung on the ladder yes. that now, like whether you like the story or not has to be, matched in terms of quality to really be considered as like the next big game yes exactly yes i I can see that argument so uh, you know what i but then how do those arguments fit within the criteria of we could go on forever about this and and i think that after this discussion i would be willing to agree with you on the last of us too Okay. Um, simply because of that argument of, of like what it means to games in terms of like mm-hmm. their validity in exactly. in the realm of media. Exactly. Whereas God and of War could be dismissed by a lot of people that think games are for children and you go over high scores in Pac-Man. The Last of Us 2, you can't dismiss it. <laughs> like, like, oh, you like God of War? Yeah, oh, yeah my son yeah. plays Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whereas The Last of Us 2 is like, it, it is a titan in terms of, exactly. of that. So you know what? Let's, let's say that. 
Okay. Last of Us Part Two is the winner for most important right. and best. I'm gonna I'm gonna re-listen to this episode after I play it, and I really hope that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your argument is based on I, not playing it. I really hope my opinion stands because I'm you I know, might it's, it it will I'm sure, but I'm sure it will. I have I have very high confidence, but I I may have just made my I may look like a fool in the future. <laughs> we'll see. We will see. Um, in any case, guys, thank you for sticking with us for such a long episode of this show. We hope you really enjoyed it because I can tell you right now, we've had a lot of fun doing this conversation with the bracket. And um, like we said before, if you want to get in touch, send us an email at circlesandsquarespod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CNSPod. Um, and as well, we started an Instagram page just the other day. So it's the same as the Twitter handle at CANDSPod. Follow us on Instagram as well for the updates on the newest episodes coming out. And I think with that, Kate, we will say goodbye for another couple weeks and see everyone again uh, for episode number 11. The intro and outro music for Circles and Squares was produced by friend of the show, Matthew Chan. Interlude music is from Scott Gratton of the Free Music Archive. Our channel art was created by at Unreasonable on Twitter. And our brother Alex is the designer of the Circles and Squares logo. Thank you all for listening and supporting the show.